Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Desktop comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Remember today, we have Birdie. Good evening. And joining us as part of a new cross promotional network thing we're doing uh, from the Late Night Chat Network uh, with, with, ho- with shows such as the Late Night Chat with, G- with JT and Nico, as well as Weekly Wine Comic Time, it's Nico. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I don't really know who you are, but <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for getting on. We kind of got introduced through mutual friends in the podcasting community. You know, just figured good time to get some synergy going. You know, we haven't really been the best at getting our name out there in terms of you know desktop prods marketing and stuff. So we figured what better way to do it than joining up with uh, late night chat network. Figured you know get some shit going there. So Nico, you fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> What the bitch, man? I know, I know. I'm a snake. That is all true, by the way. The things that he mentioned, except for the rat part. <laughs> I am part of the late night chat network. <laughs> I've started multiple other podcasts and left this one. Apparently. Yeah, he he left he left this fucking podcast bullshit to go be the me of a new podcast bullshit. <laughs> Listen, you taught me well, dead man. I needed to spread my wings. <laughs> the trainee becomes the master. Well, apparently that just happened all over the goddamn place because pretty soon two shows going to shut down. Let's get find people. Yeah, if you're listening to this. <laughs> well, in, in, in the other case, uh, I, it, I guess might as well say it since he's mentioning it. Yeah, uh, this might be my last comics podcast. I might be able to get one more in before I completely disappear. Yeah, Bernie's uh, got like, you know, real life shit to do. Yeah. Like my schedule's gonna change in some way that some of my hobbies have to change and I can't justify this without a paycheck anymore, given where I'm gonna be. Well if y'all motherfucking support the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> With what money? <laughs> no, I I'm, ta- I'm talking to these motherfuckers. The motherfuckers listening. Okay. <laughs> the sixty-two people who listen. Based on the guys, based I'm, on the I'm metrics we have, my own Patreon over it. No, does <laughs> <laughs> that? You should. You should, yeah, you that's, should take it. yeah, that's going to be the fucking thing. It's going to be. We two are going to cannibalize each other. No, I'm just I'm just going to like head over to fucking. I'm just going to like occasionally check in on the fucking your guys' this thing. Listen, to, listen to the show every once in a while. And I'm just going to fucking hear like, "Hey, so we got a new Patreon. Just go over to your Patreon. It's just ours, but you copy pasted and just fucking like control F." Because <laughs> any inst- it's like Mad Libs Dower fucking Patreon thing. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, but but um, <laughs> speaking of uh, sad endings, uh, that's kind of why we're here tonight, yes. isn't it, Dead so, Man? Yes. Yeah, so we brought Nico back, um, not too long after we had brought him back previously, which was not also not too long after brought him back previously. <laughs> and we'll also <laughs> and we'll also not be too long before we bring him back again because Doomsday Clock's almost over. Ah, uh, although they just said Never Eleven's been pushed to August. Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So speaking of DC and their idiotic moves, uh, not too long ago, a couple weeks back, uh, DC announced that they are once again shutting down Vertigo. The Vertigo imprint had just been relaunched. Not too long ago, I think like 2018 or something, or like 2017. They only been back for a couple of years as their creator-owned thing, where they were allowing, where they were essentially having some of their writers as well as creating an opportunity for new talent to find a way into the industry that could be 
well received and beloved for generations before they were horribly exploded by the publisher. Yeah. Uh, because, but now that uh, we, we don't have enough Batman, apparently Nico. Yep. We need, we need yeah. more Batman, but yeah, uh, DC announced that they would be shutting down vertigo. Let me see if I can pull up the, um, straight up article about that. So I can give you guys all the information about that. Sadly, this news I was not surprised by just because it's been like a, a, a shell of its former self in the pa- previous few years, right? Yeah, so. like what the fuck books had they been releasing under the Vertigo imprint this time around that were like actually notable? I mean, uh, in terms of new stuff, I don't know. Like they did a new Lucifer series. They brought back Books of Magic, which I think only I remember because I think I might have, I don't can't remember if this was before Nico was on the show or not, but Books of Magic is basically the comic book no one wants to talk about it anymore I, because if they do, they have to admit Harry Potter ripped it off. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's even got the lightning bolt on his head for uh, all sakes, right? So, I mean. So anyway, uh, yes. So uh, DC announced they'll be shutting down three major labels um, in 2020, uh, January 2020, which includes Vertigo as well as Zoom and Ink, which I'd fucking didn't even know were things. I think uh, that's part of the reason why it's closing down. It's because I think sometime in like late 2017, early 2018, apparently DC was trying to broaden their horizons as much as possible and it just didn't work. Yeah. And they like overcompensated. Yeah. So this will be, this is part of a new branding scheme that they're working on. That will be, that will essentially be sorting books by demographic into DC kids aimed at readers age 12, age eight to 12. Um, the regular old DC imprint, which is for 13 and up. And then black label, which is for the more no mature one. audience. So no one basically, <laughs> basically I'll read them and go, Oh, they didn't go far enough. Oh, this fucking black label. We, we need Stazep and Sajic to make a Harley Quinn book because that's a good use of his time. Yeah, that's a black label book, right? Like, fucking no. The black label is, is a mess. It's like, I don't I'm not even sure like what it is. It's a very penis mess. <laughs> black label is their fucking rated M for mature. It's like from, no, but, from the sound of it, it's like they're kind of they're going to like try to have that be, I guess, maybe their max or something. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say it's like it's kind of ser- it's it seems like it's supposed to serve the same surface as the Max stuff, but the only Max stuff anyone still likes is the Punisher and Deadpool. The rest of it, kind of like the Marvel Knights imprint, that's not like Daredevil and uh, like some of the early. I can't believe I'm saying this. Some of the early uh, Mark Millar Spider-Man stuff. Most of the Mar- Marvel Knights label, no one cares about anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, it's a shame. Yeah, and actually, uh, so Karen Berger, um, a one of the founders, I guess, of DC, um, she left the company um, in 2012. Probably not founder, maybe like a, a, that, well, yeah. a, an exec of some sort. It was the editor, I think the main editor of, of that like, whole label. And she's she brought in a lot of the talent. Like she is responsible, at least for signing off on some of the biggest books. That they they did, you know, including I guess the, I guess after the British invasion, yeah. Oh yeah, founder of Vertigo. Apologies. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she left in twenty. She left in twenty twelve. Then six years later in twenty eighteen, I was fucking right. Uh, yeah, they relaunched it with some things. Um, and then with this announcement coming, um, Burger actually 
voiced an opinion on what was actually happening with this, uh, saying in a tweet, quote, corporate thinking and creative risk taking don't mix. DC nixing Vertigo was a long time coming. Yeah, I guess that's true, but here's a scary thought given who's still the chief editor. Um, yeah. Uh, some people still say the biggest problem at DC is it's run by creative people. Mm. Like, did you see that Linkara video last week, Dead Man, about Sandra Kane? Um, I've been meaning, I've been meaning to. I've, I've fallen behind yeah, a, lot, a lot of Linkara that's the, shit. Yeah, that's the one that... Uh, I've been hoping for you to look because it, it details what I was talking about, where for some reason, Cassandra Kane, a girl who couldn't speak English, learned Navajo just because so she could become a League of Assassins member to kill Supergirl and Robin. <sighs> yeah. Fucking Christ. <laughs> but anyway, um, like for all uh, for all of DC stupidity, like Vertigo has meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Like as as a sign of that, when uh, I mentioned to Deadman, should we talk about this? He said, like, I, I don't know. Like, is there anything that is worth talking about? It's like, is Vertigo really that important? At which point, I, he and I just started rattling off a list of books, and he's like, Oh yeah, I guess we gotta talk about this. Yeah. Like like I like I only really started paying attention to like imprints and like you know different like publishers and stuff doing this show. And so beforehand, when I had, when I had read the majority, when I had read like a chunk of vertigo books, I wasn't thinking like, Hey, I wasn't thinking like, Hey, yeah, these, these books from vertigo are really good. Like vertigo is a real thing. Like I just, I just kind of, I just kind of read them and then didn't really pay attention to where they came from. Yeah. So it wasn't until like, you know, getting into this show and stuff and getting more into looking at things this sounds really fucking pretentious, but look, trying to look more at the industry side of things. Like, fuck, before this, before this show, I didn't give a shit about numbers, and now I fucking have goddamn comic beat. Fucking I mean, none of us want to care sales about numbers. the numbers, because if we care about the numbers, then we have to maybe accept that sometimes execs have a dumb line of thinking that makes sense to somebody. Well, no, that's the thing. Like, we, like, we, I don't, I don't. This is also going to sound fucking pretentious. We aren't business people. We are people who are here for No, yeah, we're here art. because we enjoy the books. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we, we are here for the storytelling and the artwork and the characters. Those only half matter. Yep. The other half is the business. So if so no matter what, no matter how much we fucking do did not like goddamn Neo Batgirl, that book sold well. So that kind of dictated the direction of the character for a good while. Yeah, I guess I should ask Nico since you've been doing a comic podcast with your girlfriend. Is she sad that Neil Batgirl's gone? Not really. She read it. She she thought the the run was fine. I mean, if you guys recall, she actually came on this show and spoke with you guys. Yeah, a no, bit she about told, it that's why I brought it up because she brought it up as like a defense of it. Yeah, um, but you know, she doesn't yearn right, for it. She uh, actually you stopped reading. You danced on its grave, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't like look back with fond memories at it or anything like that. Like it's not like one of her favorite things ever. But she read it. I mean, she started reading the Rebirth series and fell off of that. So, you know, uh, most of the time she usually piggybacks on a lot of the stuff that I read that I kind of let her know whether or not I think she'd enjoy it. So most of the stuff I read, I kind of usually pass on to her, and she reads only like that she enjoys um, that I don't read. 
but for the most part, we read a lot of the same stuff at this point. So she, so yeah, a Batgirl. Um, oh, okay. I, now I know maybe some of the news you were upset by. <laughs> just like, I did hear about that. Okay. I, 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 we'll, we'll probably talk about that later. I'm sure. But yeah, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah so, so with, yeah, so with vertigo shutting down, uh, we thought that it would be, appropriate to just kind of like sit down well me and birdie thought it would be appropriate to like sit down and just talk about a couple of vertigo books that we really enjoyed and they thought hey might as well bring nico in on this oh this is a great idea this is uh this is this is pretty fun for me revisiting and reading one of these things for the first time actually tonight um was was great i mean uh and it was cool because i actually already owned all these books so it wasn't hard for me to track any of them down yeah. so and one thing yeah. I, one thing i actually learned um as i was just as i was looking into the books and reading them and stuff only one of the books we are going to be talking about tonight started as a Vertigo book. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I know exactly which one. Yeah, yeah, that's technically true. Yeah, yeah, like it yeah, is, one, one of them was Helix, which was a weird imprint. Yeah, they did one, for yeah, like one a of the few issues. Yeah, one of them yeah. was Helix, and then the other, and the other one <laughs> was just DC proper. Yeah, it was just DC, but it got folded into Vertigo because when they launched. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the writer because was like Alan Moore was weird. Yeah, because Alan Moore, I think. Yeah, I think reading up on the stuff like his run on Swamp, his run on that book was the first mainstream comic to say "fuck the Comics Code Authority." Yeah, and you can kind of tell, be given. Like, I don't know if you. Oh, I guess we should get into the comics. Yeah, so, so we'll uh, get, yeah, so we're just gonna get into the comics. Uh, so yeah, each of us chose a book. Um, these two uh, chose long, chose like you know series that ran for a while. I chose a just original graphic novel. Uh, so just to keep things a bit more concise and stuff. Um, we were like, okay, so we're just doing like the first volume of these books. Yeah. So, so we're going to be, so like for the longer run series, we're going to be talking about, you know, a block of books, uh, you know, a couple story arcs, uh, and it'll start out with Alan Moore's run of the saga of Swamp Thing. Yeah. This is my first time reading this, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that one first. Uh, It was not. It was was not my first. It was, I, I think it's, I read it like when I was closer to like Nico's age, because mm-hmm. I was significantly younger. But uh, <laughs> it's been a while, and I remember enjoying it a lot the first time, and I'm wa- reading it again. There's, I don't know. I'm almost curious to read the stuff that led up to it because if you guys like, I don't assume you guys got the big collection. Yeah, the the saga of Swamp Thing by Alan Moore collection. Yeah, one of the yeah start at the end of a previous story. Yeah, it's one of the few um like collections that that I've I've read recently that still have his fucking name on it. Yeah, I got the. I think it's collected in six hardcovers, and they're as well as in paperbacks yeah. on yeah. old like newsprint that they released. I got. I, wow. I, I have them all, but I, I actually have never gone out of my way to read it up till now, which is yeah, crazy, I, just because it's a well-regarded run, right? Yeah, so I just, I picked up uh, the I picked up like the first volume of this stuff, uh, kind of on a whim a few months back, and it's one of the few books that I've like kind of bought like you know blind. Like with a, lot right. other, with a lot of other stuff, it will be like I'll read, I'll read, you know, issue to issue through various means of dubious legality, mm-hmm. and then, and then, <laughs> it, and then you know, hey, I really enjoyed yeah. this. I want to support this. Let me buy the fucking trade. 
But with this one, I would just like, hey, I'm a fan of Alan Moore. I like Swamp yeah. Thing as a concept. Let's fucking see what this shit is. Oh, okay, this is everything I know about Swamp Thing, and Birdie just dropped. Oh, fuck. <laughs> back everybody sorry about that <laughs> sorry internet sucks uh yeah 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 uh so new orleans has been partially thing. underwater for three days yeah yeah that's also not helping yeah we're recovering from what will hopefully not be the first of many hurricanes yeah, here's because, open. um because it's it'll, if we had a hurricane this year it would be worse than most years because uh Normally, uh, the Mississippi River, which runs through New Orleans, is usually at about like six feet this year. It's currently at 18. Jesus. And the levees can only handle up to about 19 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, dude. That's that's bad. Yep. But speaking of Louisiana Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nice transition. So, I don't know what you guys <laughs> talked about after I cut out, but I was just was was it as weird to you guys as it was to me that we seemed to come into this like at the end of a previous story. That's because that, we did. That yeah. was like tonally and tonally very different from the story we're currently reading. Yeah, yeah again, that's, that's why again the that first is actually issue. Yeah, yeah that, go ahead. that's actually because it is because what we are coming in on is issue twenty of the saga of Swamp Thing. Yeah. No, I know, I know that, but. It's weird that they switched writers at the end of a previous writer's. Mm. Story. Oh yeah, that that is a that is like a modern day comic thing. Like that's that's why I guess like this run was also so prolific and well regarded because the fact that Alan Moore this as this I believe was his first U.S. comic at the time, like yes. coming in on on the tail end of that and the appropriate appropriately titled first issue uh, loose ends of him basically <laughs> trying to tie up all yeah. the shit that was left before him. And then with the, ex- with the, the, the next issue right after that launching into a whole new direction and idea yeah, for his character like in the book, the, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Right? The second I mean, issue is like all like existential and weird. And it like, upends okay. the, the basic idea of swamp thing that like, yeah. Oh, it's a man who was changed by science and is trying to become human again to, Oh no, no. The guy who, died and because of science he, he he's dead the thing we've been following that's just a plant that thinks it's the guy yeah. who died yeah this is, this is just this is just a fucking like this is just a fucking salad that has anxiety yeah the best is that they show you though like with that other i think it was again i'm jumping oh, ahead i think it was Man. after that the anatomy one yeah where like how he created his own like internal yeah, yeah, organs yeah, jason, yeah, good old jason woodrow yeah. Hey, Jason Ruder is like, yeah, so like there's a heart and a brain in here where they're all fucking nothing. Just a bunch of fungus. And, he, and then he just real and then he fucking realizes, oh wait. Shit, okay. Yeah. And it's weird to come into that right after what from the looks like was a fight between a plant monster and a animal monster man with a flying spaceship. Uh yep, yep, that was that was old Anton Arcane. Yeah. Who yeah. I'm only aware of because I watched the Wes Craven movie, which I think you did on this site, Dead uh, Man. Yes, we did. We yeah, we watched the old uh, Wes Craven Swamp thing with a uh, Ray Wise, I think. Yeah, 
Uh, but and that what's weird is I think that started that movie was made after the switch from the old style of Swamp Thing comics to this. So that must have been like I'm, I, you know how these days when people watch a comic book movie, they then go like find a trade somewhere to to read more about it if they're interested enough. Yeah, that would have been a weird tonal shift for someone who was reading Swamp Thing in 1982. Oh yeah, that would have been fucked. Just, just like essentially a a like fairly generic superhero comic, but with like some horror ish elements. Then all of a sudden, just a fucking existential nightmare, and like fucking, it's written like poetry. Yeah, like I, I remember. So, I remember going into that fucking like anatomy issue, and reading that reading that fucking first page is like I imagine the old man pounding against the glass. Will there be blood? Yeah, there's blood. And then it was like, okay, what the fuck are these talking about? And they get to the end, it's like, oh, okay, it was a fucking weird stanza. Yeah, with some ridiculously weird. Um like paneling and just I'd forgotten about the Etrigan cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Etrigan's in this just for like a hot, this for like a one story arc and he comes in, he's just a total asshole to everybody. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I really enjoy Etrigan. Um, I, I also enjoyed the fact that the way he wrote him in this, he actually did some proper, like, you know, like rhyming, like poem type yeah, stuff. Like it wasn't. Was it wasn't just like. It wasn't the every other line rhyme type. There's a difference because some people have written Etrigan where every fucking line rhymes with the last, and then other people they do it where like he'll start off and then he'll end like maybe two different phrases later with the rhyming connecting word. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's different structures. Yeah, no, it's kind of like yeah, poetry's it, weird. Or I think because he's such a good writer in that sense, like he understands that. So when he was writing him, like sometimes Estrogen reading his speech, depending on the, how the writer's writing him can actually become very annoying. I I've found. So like, I thought he just handled it very well. And, um, I know we're jumping all over the place, just mentioning things we enjoyed, but yeah, I mean, later on in the run, I mean, this, when it changed to vertigo or whatever, I think is this was, they, they started to put the branding on the cover of how it's set sophisticated horror yeah i think I, th- I think i remember reading that it's uh that it made the switch over to vertigo around issue 120 oh really okay so maybe it was bef- i guess then it wasn't during alan moore's time then on the book right so yeah no i think i think it came up a bit later but um i, I do know that uh like a lot of like alan moore essentially built vertigo for a for a chunk of time like like the, like his run on swamp thing actually introduced like a huge stable of vertigo characters on Constantine. Yeah. Constantine. Um, weirdly enough, the Raven from the Sandman book, like, like dreams Raven. Yeah. Yeah, He he also introduced, I think the, the, what? Oh no, never mind. Those house of mystery guys were from like the sixties. Yeah. They've been around for, yeah. I mean, house of mystery changed for vertigo, but it existed before. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they showed up in this series at some point. I've heard again. This is I, I read this first trade of this. I think it's like eight issues. This yeah, first issues twenty this. through twenty eight. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm actually looking forward to continuing now with the ones I have here. Oh yeah, it was a really cool um, book. It was a really cool book. Um, it was when I first read it. It was interesting to see like this era of horror in comics mm-hmm. because because like a lot of the stuff like a lot of, like the horror in comics that I'm used to is modern day horror in comics, which is, which is basically just blood. Yeah. 
or like, uh, it, it, like, uh, yeah. Um, going back to what Nico was saying, it was weird to see what was clearly going to be what would become the Hellblazer comics a lot as I was reading parts of this. I was like, oh yeah, that's Hellblazer, and that, and that. <laughs> oh, that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean it. And like like I was saying, because they eventually they would put that tagline on the on the front cover of these issues. I've seen them before about this sophisticated horror thing. It's just like Alan Moore is such a good writer at that time. You know, like kind of at the head of the British invasion of writers coming over and kind of doing their takes on these characters. That I think like he kind of just brought such a level of 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 uh, writing kind of uh, t- like you know like good writing to superhero comics at that time with his him coming on this title that like you can even see like even reading something from this era i mean like reading this even now you could tell this was the start of something special you know oh, what yeah, i mean this, like I, oh yeah like, it, like it's it felt like a very but it became but like like even, even so yeah, like, even without the context of the previous issues this did very much feel like a like record scratch. Let's move over to a new fucking. Let's move over to a new tune. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's because of this run that people can identify anything unique and interesting about Swamp Thing. Because technically speaking, Swamp Thing ripped off Man Thing. Yeah. Like the first issue of Man Thing came out two months before the Swamp Thing issue did. But I can. I think there's a lot more people could say about Swamp Thing at this point than Man Thing. And I think a lot of that comes from this run. Yeah, like like with this is like with this run and everything that's happened afterwards. Swamp Thing developed into like a real character. I like I can tell you things about like fucking Swamp Thing and like with with the pathos and stuff that he's doing, like the pathos that the book that this book did, and uh, just the way that it handled all this other all this other fucking like shit, and the way that it like built out a character for for the fucking plant that. From the, for the plant formerly known as Alec Holland. With Man-Thing, I can tell you he's in Florida. Yeah, I mean, his whole thing is that people burn at the touch of him, right? That fear him or whatever, right? The Man-Thing. And like, yeah, so it's basically just a fucking... It's basically, what if, what if Ghost Rider got mildew? But then also the interesting thing with Swamp Thing, too, is the whole connection to the green and the red, which is mentioned in this first trade as well. Like, yeah, they don't I, really I get think, too deep into it. Yeah, but, I think this uh, is like like this era is kind of where that stuff started coming out. And, and they also touched on the fact that, which I had no previous knowledge of it, though, but I guess... Uh, uh, sorry, what, who, Jason Woodrow, what was his name? Phosphorus? Oh, Phosphorus? The Floronic Man. Right. I know there's also a Dr. Frost for us, but that's in Batman as far as I know. Uh, yeah. At least I've seen him in there. Um, so he, I guess, was a Justice League villain at some point because uh, they mentioned it. Like when the Justice League shows up. I think the story, Justice League dealt with him. They reference him. But he was like a joke. Yeah, he when he started out, he was he was a villain of the Atom. Oh, okay. So that's what I mean. Like, I, that's what I was going to ask you guys. Cause I actually have no knowledge of this character. So like when he showed up in this, like yeah. this was my take for well, him. But then when the justice league shows up, they reference the fact like, that he used to be a cheesy villain. Like, you un- know what until, I mean? Like, until the swamp thing series came out just now, basically the only time anyone had seen Jason Woodrow in anything was in Batman and Robin. Cause okay. In yeah, because yeah, because he was the bad guy. He was the fucking doctor that uh, Poison Ivy killed when she became Poison Ivy in the Batman Robin movie. Oh, 
Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, well, now it's got almost nothing in common with that character. So yeah, like uh, <laughs> like his only like real other thing that I'm aware of, but I think is only aware that I think I'm really only aware of because I watch Lankara is New Warriors. Oh, New Guardians. New Guardians, yeah, because the Flonic Man is in the New, New Guardians. Yeah. yeah, New New Warriors is an X Men book. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so New Guardians. Uh, that was a weird book from that time where it was basically, basically the powers that be or whatever in the DC universe is like, hey, you people, fuck. Yeah. In the meantime, fight this villain powered by cocaine. Snowflame. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Snowflame. Uh but yeah, like I think uh yeah, I think this run and then Grant Morrison's subsequent run on Animal Man kind of really like built the foundation of what the green and the red would be later. Yeah. And so and Neil Gaiman also added his own little weird twist to this uh, a few years down the road. I don't know like I don't know if you were on the episode I did with this Nico where uh Neil Gaiman did a three issue miniseries called Black Orchid. For Vertigo. I'm familiar with it, but I don't think I was when you talked yeah, about it. No. Where he uh, reinterpreted a Silver Age character. Right. And what we basically learned in that is that four people, four scientists in, who were in Gotham City at one point all worked on advanced botanical science. Two of them are supervillains. And mm-hmm. the other two are not really human anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, yeah. um, yeah, no, I, he was, I, I, I liked him in this because at first, like what the first introduction of him, I didn't really know what to think of him because he actually painted him out to be like a good guy. Like the, well, I mean, he does, well, brutally, uh, he does and, brutally kill that guy. Like he screws him over the dude that, yeah. And, and again, you know. that was, <laughs> yeah. that was more tying up loose ends from right. the previous run because but then, yeah. Uh, an evil businessman who wants to destroy the swamp thing because he knows too much doesn't really fit with what Alan Moore wants to do with this book. And yet the TV series that pulls heavily from the Alan Moore run brought that character back. Well, yeah, that's the weird thing about the TV series is that it's pulling characters and plot line ideas from the original run, but it's presented like an Alan Moore one. Yeah. It's so it's just weird. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm liking it still. It's really good, uh, and they're also like yeah. they're also pulling in stuff from like the New Fifty Two with the Rot. Yeah, I, I was not really surprised by that. The Rot's a decent idea for like an antagonistic force to the Green. Yeah, totally. It'd be funny if uh, the last thing before they cut it off, Dead Man, since they axed the last two episodes, was if uh, Grant Morrison's Animal Man showed up. Yeah, just yeah, just they're all getting ready. Like we we haven't seen Blue Devil at all, in, like for real. But then all of a sudden, Animal Man Flint costs yourself. Like, hey, where's that weird plant, dude? We gotta we gotta we gotta go fight a weird toothy zombie. Yeah, but then but then like when he did kind of get driven mad and like like and then you know eventually you know gets so lost with it and then gets aid from the green and that they give him power but then take it back because swamp thing kind of exposes him. Yeah, no, like that's kinda... that's the weird thing. Like like him being well. So for context, Jason Woodrow. Yeah, so for context, Jason Woodrow the Floronic man was hired by Avery Sunderland to essentially do an autopsy on swamp thing after he gets killed in issue 20 It's all in issue 20. Yeah. Killed quote unquote. Uh, yeah. Woodrow does the fucking autopsy and then learns, Oh, he's just a plant. Like up until this point from 
Swamp Thing's introduction to issue 19 of the saga of Swamp Thing, we'd been we'd been under the we'd been under the idea that Alec Holland, scientist and former not and former not plant man, was doing fucking research out in the swamp with his wife on a bioregenerative formula. He got fucking got and then got ran out into the fucking swamp covered in fire and science. And then because of that, he then mutated into the swamp thing. That was that was the associate that was the idea we were working under until issue 21. At which point, through Jason Woodrow, we learned that the swamp thing is actually just a collection of plants that were infected with the mind and consciousness of Alec Holland dead. And so and and uh Woodrow attempts to explain to Mr. Sunderland the uh, implications of what this means. So it's just Sunderland's like, I don't need to know anything else. I, I'm tired of you. Leave. Yeah, he's basically, yeah, point, he's basically in- like, I am, yeah, I am merely an idiot in your standard. But being merely an idiot, I have made billions of dollars. I don't need to be smart. I need. I don't need to be smart. I have money. I have no use for smarts, and as of right now, I have no use for you. So get the fuck out of my building, and then just leaves that him. Was, yeah, that was a great scene, by the way. And oh, like, absolutely! He, he wrote the shit out of that character dollar. Where I was like, "Wow, that was great!" Like, because you could just tell how much of a prick this guy was, and like how flat out honest he was. It's like, listen, I've already gotten all I need from you. I have no use of you anymore. <laughs> like, he's like, "Oh, so what? You're telling me, uh, you know, the, that he's not actually Alec Holland? Good day, sir." <laughs> you know what I mean, just yeah, like get the like, fuck like, out. Oh, of he's not head, Alec you know? Holland. I, I do not care. The ramifications of which I am not equipped to handle. I could have other people tell me that. I give them the southern accent because it's fucking Louisiana. And also I'm watching the show. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so that all happens. Um, and then fucking Alec Holland, well, Alec Holland, quote unquote, uh, comes back to life and is like, eh, I'm going to fucking get you. He gets fucking Sunderland, kills him. And well, then I mean, it's just funny that the way this scene plays out is Woodrow understanding the implications of this situation basically predicts down to the letter in a di- well to some extent down to the letter predicts because he also changes the security codes on Sunderland's building because he's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like he, he essentially, essentially says like the whole this whole horror scene plays out as Woodrow is explaining, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got to say my favorite thing about Woodrow, though, uh, <laughs> when you find out, like, you know, that he's also like kind of like a plant creature is the fact that he has like a spray on face. Yeah. Yeah. He's got <laughs> like, some like spray on skin. spray on skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, it's literally called flexi skin. <laughs> no, sorry. Flexi oh, flesh. <laughs> I had a good laugh when I saw that. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? It was like at first, like, like I didn't understand what was going on. And, yeah. then, I was like, and then like you see him like apply it later on with the Justice League kind of, you yeah, know, like. Yeah, yeah he like, like rolls up. You see the flex of flesh. He's like, oh, shit, I've grown bark. But fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Ears Hello, I am a who man just like ooh. You Please know, it's like take me to the people place. <laughs> His yes. face was all fucked up. He's like, hey, Justice yeah. League. And everyone's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> what is that? Well, I, mean, like, I think Green Lantern almost about, barfed. The funniest thing about that whole arc where, like, Woodrow, it, it, it's, I'm a little unclear on what happened, but the implication seems to be Woodrow got exposed to the green enough that he kind of understood what the green was. 
but then he thought he was speaking for the green when in fact he was just connected to the green and doing what he wanted to do from what I understood of what happened because um, it gets very existential and weird. Yeah. So just get a bit more context. So after, after fucking swamp thing wakes up and realizes, Oh, I'm not Alec Holland. He says it goes into shock and then just spends his time in the swamp being rooted into the swamp and not realize not like just basically retreating into himself and it goes, and it goes to this whole fucking thing. But as he's doing that, Woodrow is there fucking getting snippets, getting fucking pieces of it and examining him. And what he does is he essentially hooks up his brain to a flower clipping. He got off of Holland's body. Yeah. Like he, he's psychically connecting himself to, to swamp thing with which he hopes to then connect to the green. And he seems to kind of, yes, he connects to the green, but that drives him crazy because he's not a plant. Yeah. Yeah. Like he is, he is a man plant hybrid, but he is still originally a human being. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that is why, and that is like what he talks about. Like he says, he says a red infection of some kind has infected the green. And like, he, like he calls, he calls fucking He calls, uh, like swamp thing calls Woodrow a creature of the red. And that's kind of how it, how it goes about. Like, I don't know why he got the power and I don't know why he disconnected from it. What I'm, what I'm thinking is happening there is, he gets that connection to the green. And then because of that, that drives him fucking crazy. And he sees himself as I speak for the green. And then because he has that initial like little spark of, Hey, I'm connected to this thing that he's able to control the plants and stuff. But then once swamp thing shows up and goes, Hey, dumbass that kind of causes the, that kind of causes the break. And so then he is no longer connected to the green anymore. So he realizes like once, once Holland was there to point out, Hey, dumbass, you're a dude. And he goes, ah, shit. And then loses his plant powers. Yeah. At which point the justice league who were completely useless against Floronic man before this point, uh, just, kind of lightly show up and take him in. Yeah, because Flonic Man's whole yeah, because Flonic Man's whole thing was like, hey, give me a video camera. And then he filmed essentially a terrorist tape saying, hey, I'm connected to every plant in the world. They're all like increasing their oxygen output tenfold. At which point the world will go crazy because of over oxygen over oxygenation. And then the slightest spark will light the atmosphere on fire. To which, at which point, when Floronic Man argues to Swamp Thing, that way there'll be no more people or no more animals to destroy the plants. At which point he says, alright, so who's going to make the carbon dioxide to feed the plants? So, uh, shit. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then goodbye plant powers. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, the plot, if you put it in like the individual plot points together across these several issues, it's very, it's relatively simple. It's just all the shit that happens in it. That's so Mm. weird. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, like I did not know anything about swamp things like, you know, secondary cast outside of Abigail arcane. Yeah. Although actually, I knew Anton um, as well. Yeah. I I knew, I knew about, uh, arcane. I knew about Sunderland because he showed up in the show. Um, based on this, I had, it had been a while. I, I think that cop that Abby's into dead man, is apparently going to develop the power to start hallucinating women banging him in front of him. Yeah, so Matt Cable, uh, who is Abby Arcane's husband, he has the power to alter reality. 
Yeah. That only really works when he is drunk off his ass. Yeah. And so in and so in the comic, how that how that's developing, how that like kind of develops as the power is he is like he's like being a real shitty husband to Abby or whatever, starts drinking, and then essentially begins manifesting power, using his power to manifest women for him to fuck. Or facsimiles of women for him to fuck. Something to get his rocks off because Abby ain't doing it. And he's an asshole. Yeah. And then as it progresses, he starts having to go to darker and darker places. Yeah. To, to the point where like he is summoning like demon women and like weird bug monsters crawl out from his fucking toes and shit. Yeah. And but then uh but then he tries to sober up by drinking. Naturally. And gets in a car saying, I gotta help my wife crash. I gotta help my wife. At which point, um, I think the uh, the insect demon from Hellblazer shows up and infests his body. <laughs> Actually, that's Arcane. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Arcane went. Yeah, after dying in his spaceship, Arcane went to hell and became a demon. Because why not? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Swamp Thing. <laughs> I mean, I saw Justice League Dark. I know sometimes Swamp Thing deals with monsters. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that is. Yeah, th- that's that's issue twenty seven. Yeah, and and, al- then- and also before that, uh, like yeah, and th- that that whole thing was actually part of a story arc where a young autistic boy uh, was in a was in a residential like sco- in a group home. Yeah, it was in a group home for other like children with mental Ill- with mental health problems. Um. After his parents used a Ouija board to summon a monkey demon. Yeah, that started bothering him. <laughs> yeah. And people around him. Yeah, at which point the demon Etrigan shows up and is like, hey, I'm going to eat that monkey and kill that kid. Was this the point where they introduced Etrigan? Because I did not remember mm-hmm. that. No, Etrigan, well, Etrigan was around for like a, I think he was introduced in the 70s. That Kirby did a series okay. called The Demon, um, yeah, which yeah, may yeah, have been his first This feels appearance. like a weird reintroduction to like the new version, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it might have been. Um, I'm well, looking- yeah, I mean, it did lead into the. I mean, after this, he would go and do his solo series. Alan Grant wrote, and then Garth Ennis famously wrote like twenty issues in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That because, was again you know, like early he had ideas 90s. he couldn't use in Preacher. <laughs> well, to be honest, actually, it's the stuff that actually connected to his Hitman stuff because. Oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah, because that event that happened that basically spawned Hitman, one of their terrible events. But uh, that, that came out crisis? of that, or was that like a was that like that gang war one, like war game? I, I don't know. Which, I, I have to. It's not important. We got too much. We still got two other books to talk about, and we still have shit to talk about with this. So we should yeah. keep going. Yeah. So yeah, he shows up. He's a bit of a cunt. It's like anytime anybody talks to him, he's like, "Hey, yo, horrible things gonna happen to you later." Like the first thing he does is he gets off a bus. And then some dude's like, "Hey man, thanks, for, thanks for driving down to Louisiana. If you ever need a place to stay, just let me know. Here's my card." And it's like, "I don't." It's like, "I don't need your card. You're about to die." Yeah, bloodlines. Sorry, yeah, that was the event. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I don't, need, I don't need your fucking card. You're, you're fucking five women out uh, on top of your wife. You're about to be fucking paled by a swordfish. Later, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a statement of the fact of how big of a dick Jason Blood is that Jason yeah. Blood. Considers John Constantine to be an irreparable dick. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he, he was also a pretty a pretty big douche in this as well. It's it's yeah, funny well, I mean, because like Swamp Thing does not come off like an asshole <laughs> like compared to everybody uh, else. Oh, well, I think, like, um, this like this was kind of a transitory period. Like in this one, Swamp Thing was connected to the Green, but he wasn't like filled with divine purpose to protect the Green. Yeah, yet. he doesn't so really he know was, what the Green is. Like he like he like as it is right now. Like this. Th- like this volume ends with essentially him putting the human side of him to rest. But, but that's what was interesting because like when he first, like after those first couple issues, when he set up the new status quo for the character, like he came out of that like cryo freeze or whatever the fuck he was in was basically like with a bloodlust of like being yeah. confused and wondering what the fuck like, well, yeah, what was he? He was like a Frankenstein's learned, oh, monster. Well, like, you think type. you're a person, but you're not. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like right then. Well, like, I, I love that scene where it's like, oh, so we had this file. And you're just like, I read the file. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, like Woodrow's, Woodrow's like monologue is just like, you probably won't kill him unless you found my file. If you found my file, whoo, Nelly. <laughs> The thing of, of noting there, too, is that he even actually went and explained the reason for why, like, like the swamp thing that we all know now, like this mucky, gross looking fucking like with shit all in him because he was coming out of the freeze. Like he actually says, I wonder what it'll look like. So new and raw and green like his body. So like because if you look at the swamp thing prior to this. Like he, he isn't as kind of distorted yeah, as like yeah, you know, his version is. Kind of like. Hum- more humanoid, less yeah. plant yeah. mess. Yeah, a lot more streamlined and a lot more like, you know, just, hey, I am a person, but I am made of plants. Whereas right. with this, it is, I am plants vaguely in the shape of a person. Right. So, like, even the new, like, even the look that stuck with us to this day, like, of Swamp Thing, he created, like, just in that one page, like, of him coming out of that fucking, like, which is, again, like, just, like, like wow, he like, he just did so much and so like it, it, with two issues, he yeah, basically a, just like it, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Alan Moore doing Alan Moore things set the status quo for a character going forward. Yeah, it's it's just really well done. I mean, like, it, I, like wonder, for I wonder me, if Alan Moore's Snake God told him to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like or for maybe, me after these first two, issues. like, you know, I changed a, <laughs> I made some small changes to an existing character with Swamp Thing. Maybe I can go further if I do something like. Yeah. Ah, Alan Moore's fucking weird. Yeah, and we'll talk about his uh, sobered up version later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I overall I mean, enjoyed so, this. So, yeah, so Nico, you were this was your first read of this. Was it different than what you were expecting, or? I mean, not. Re- I mean, I did. I had heard about on the character before. So like going into this, like it wasn't um, not, it wasn't something like I wasn't expecting, but at the same time it for the first time, it did make me appreciate it that much more because I had always just heard of how well a regarded run this was. And my only kind of experience with, with Swamp Thing runs is really two stuff that Snyder started out on and went back to the fact that he was, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that's basically what he started out with is that he actually was referencing the fact that it was Alec Holland. And then it is funny. We can, we can technically play three degrees of this book with all of our titles since, (laughs) um, 
Alan Moore wrote Swamp Thing was written by Alan Moore, who inspired in some sort of degrees Warren Ellis, who wrote the second, the other book, one other book we'll talk about. Yeah. But also um, another writer who was new to Vertigo when he started picked up after Alan Moore's run, and then he went on to write the third book. Well, at some point, write yeah. the third book we're going to talk about. Well, yeah. that's. Weirder. I actually also have the two trade paperbacks of his run on the character, and it, it's it's okay. Um, but I've only read the first volume. But that's what I mean. I've even read that, and I've well, never actually read this. That, that writer is not a weird hermit worshiping a snake puppet. You yeah, know, he's just mm-hmm. a good writer. Following um, the, I think it's the daughter of Abigail in his run. I think it is. It's a woman. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. At some point, I have, guess I have to read the rest of it to find out where, but at some point in this run, uh, Swamp Thing possesses... Well, that's uh, how... Constant no, time that's to, in Hellblazer, I believe, actually, that happened, I think. I uh, think. Okay. I think it's in the early... I, know, I just know at some point, Swamp Thing possesses John Constantine to fuck Abby Arcane. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you I know. believe that happened in Hellblazer. You know, plants. Yeah, which is really fucking weird. Uh, yeah, I think... But yeah, <laughs> I, I also just kind of want to give a like a proper shout out to like proper, like credit to the actual artist for the book. Um, sure. Stephen, yeah. Bissett, oh, yeah. yeah, Stephen Bissett and John Toddleben. Yeah. Uh, the, the two of them, I'm not familiar with their work, but this is fucking amazing. Oh yeah, it is. This is like prime eighties horror art at, it's like, at it's like a fucking best. It is fantastic. And like the way that the way that they like show going into the green and stuff and the way that they like, like, like do that is just this insane, like, it, it looks it looks almost like like old school like sci fi stuff, but instead of being like weird blobs of space energy, it's like actually like the square cells of plants and shit. It just looks fucking awesome. Uh, the way they the way they like drew the Floronic Man, they made him look like a straight up monster. Mm. And the layouts too. The yeah, layouts the lay- are layouts were really interesting. Really um, interesting. Yeah. The one thing that I will say does kind of like take down this whole reading experience was uh, in issue 28, the last issue of the volume, they switched artists from uh, Bissett and Tuttleben to uh, Sean McManus, who mm-hmm. is not as good. Yeah. It, it's and, not have, as... and having his like very over exaggerated, like almost cartoonish artwork uh, be there for the issue of Swamp Thing burying the body of Alec Holland and putting him to rest. Yeah, it affected the moment a little bit. Just a bit. Yeah. Also, was I was was it was which issue was it where Etrigan seemed to be much more cat like than I've ever seen him? Uh like there was a panel where he was like about to eat something and like we saw a close up of his face and it's like that's much more cat than I think. Yeah, he was, uh, he was yeah, definitely that's issue twenty seven. Yeah, he, okay. he, when he jumps on that person's back or whatever you mean, like, yeah, like, like, <laughs> yeah. like when he like when he dives down from the window and when he is about to uh, like fucking kill the kid. Yeah, he's like he's like very he's very feline. It, it, it was weird, but it was also but it was also like that issue also had like this great visual where like uh, where like he's about to fucking like he's about to kill the kid. Then Swamp Thing's like, nah, here's a tree, and so then Etrigan. So that green's like yeah, it breaks his arm off. At which point, Swamp Thing grabs it, puts it back on, and then punches him again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a little four panel, it's a little like five panel thing. Just oh, cut his arms off. Oh, does we put that back on? Poof. <laughs> oh, that was great. But yeah, this was just some fuck. This is just like some really interesting, like, like real old school horror comic. And 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 uh, another thing too, and I, this is probably the reason why I think I just haven't 
like ended up reading this as of yet and it's just been sitting here for whatever reason maybe because of the era i thought it was going to come out in it like wasn't going it was going to be, be maybe overridden not the case whatsoever i know it's fucking no, alan he, moore he's, he's restrained here relatively no i know yeah well, that's like, what i mean like even it, it flew, it flew like i flew through this eight issues like it yeah. read great like the flow and it was awesome yeah like, just, like yeah, even, uh, yeah uh, like i mentioned with, with issue 21 where it started out with where essentially it is like that weird like circular kind of narration where it starts at the end and then you get to where the end is right um that is very much a that is very much an alan moore thing like like reading that issue it felt like i was reading an issue of miracle man yeah but with yeah, Mir- I, but, I get that. but with miracle man it would be like it would be like the page. The page was essentially like fifty-fifty art and narration. Mm. But but with di- but with this, uh, the narration it fits a lot more evenly in the flow of the in the flow of the comic. Uh, it is a lot less obtrusive, a lot less obtuse, and it's just a lot more. It still feels like Alan Moore's like near poetic writing, but yeah, but it is a lot. But it is a lot. It is a lot. It is letting itself tell its story through the artwork, as yeah, opposed to. As opposed to him telling it, he, like this, is, you could very much tell this is early Alan Moore when he's a lot less self indulgent. Yeah, that's. Yeah. What I mean, it doesn't bog down like the actual flow of the story whatsoever. Like and after kinda, those first couple issues, he sets everything off. He's off to the races. Yeah, yeah, and he and it holds up a lot better than other like early Alan Moore DC stuff. Like, yeah. I know you weren't on this one, Nico, but I, I read uh, the Alan Moore issue of Superman for the Man Who Has Everything. Oh yeah, and. Yeah. The story concept is still good, but the the specific issue that Alan Moore wrote, a lot of it is just really weird. Like, basic like basically everyone has to be saved by Jason Todd with giant hands. Yeah, it's a it's a comic story that was done infinitely better in the TV show. Yeah, and like at the end of it all, after Soups has defeated. Uh, what is that guy's name? Uh, Mongol. Mongol. Uh, Wonder Woman just basically presents herself to him, and I'm like, uh. yeah. "Oh, oh, Alan Moore, you, you fucking dude." Whereas you get over to the fucking Justice League animated series, and that's just fucking, that's just fucking gold. That's devastating. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is just fucking. It is Chef's kiss near perfection. Yeah, but if you ever want to see like a good story badly dated, Nico, pick up that issue and look it up. <laughs> Sorry, which one? Uh, for the man uh, who has for everything. The man who has everything. I I have it. I uh, yeah. yeah. If you've never <laughs> read it, it, it it's, it's an example of a good story badly dated. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where it's his uh, birthday, right? And uh, yeah. and yeah, with the, with the black mercy. Yes, yes. Like again, good ideas. Actual execution sucks. Yes. Much like the Supergirl episode, they did the same story. Just fuck. They they super fucked that up. Yeah. As much as I like Supergirl, they don't have the, like, depth of, like, at that point, they didn't have the depth of pathos and, like, character writing to do that story yet. Yeah, but like they also fucked up just mechanically how the thing works. Oh yeah, no, I know. Like like that entire episode makes Supergirl look like a fucking idiot. Oh, I'm aware. Because uh-huh. just just for Nico, for Nico and those who don't know, uh, how the well, so for those who don't know about this, how the Black Mercy works is it gets on you and then it shows you your 
deepest, most ingrained fantasy, like what you want life to be. With Superman, when he gets on there, he's on Krypton, but he's still on the Kansas farm. He's basically, he's basically, you know, taking his space life that he never knew and then the life that he loved and combining them into, you know, what his perfect world is. With Supergirl, her thing is just that Krypton never blew up. Yeah. But the way that it's supposed to work is once the Black Mercy gets on, you don't know when it got on you, so you don't know when this actually started happening. It's just this yeah, has been your life. Yeah, it's just this is life for you. Yeah, I'm aware. In the Super in Supergirl, what happened is Black Mercy gets on her, and then she wakes up. It's like, wait a minute, I'm in Krypton, but Krypton blew up. What the shit is happening? And then, like, literally an hour later, her fucking Earth adopted sister goes in there, and she is just fucking drink the Kool Aid. Like, yes, everything is good, which either means that. On Krypton, Supergirl was a mindless drone basically going through the motions. Or <laughs> yeah, or that the fucking Black Mercy uh. sucked out all the personality from her. But in both situations, it means that Supergirl's a fucking idiot who knew this was an illusion from the moment she jumped in there and then just accepted it after her mom showed up. Yeah. Which just, no... That would be that would be like fucking that that would be like when the fucking thing gets on Batman. Batman is just all of a sudden standing in the theater with his parents as Batman, looking at both of them, and is accepting, yes, I am ten years old. Come, mother, father, it is time to go home. Yeah. But anyway, um Swamp Thing is so good. I never finished reading good. it, so I'm gonna try to finish reading it. At some point, I've got the second volume. It's currently free on Comicsology. Yeah, I'm gonna, Unlimited. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be checking out that has, too. It, it Comicsology Unlimited is worth it, guys. If you if you if you read or buy comics more than just like once a month, it pays for itself. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to when it's available in Canada. Yeah, I know, I, I know that fucks fucks you and Nico. But anyway, uh, so which one should we do next? Because that was my pick. Um. Yeah, good pick. I mean, yeah. that's when people talk about the start of Vertigo. That's always one that comes up for sure. Yeah. Let's move on to a book that has been floating in my periphery for fucking ever that I've been meaning to read for the longest time. That just kind of gave me an excuse. Uh, Nico's pick. Really? Uh, you yeah, never I, read this? I had never read. Tra- oh. I had never read Transmetropolitan. Wow. I fucking neat. I I have to thank Nico for suggesting this one because. As I was telling uh, site editor Cora, was I was rereading the first volume. Mm-hmm. I think I needed this book more now than when I first read it. Right? Yeah, yeah. like it, it is. A, it is. Day. It like is very a, much. So. It is a weird goddamn thing to read today. Just like in the current climate. Just oh fucking what? <laughs> like it's yeah. it's almost like an opposite effect of like the fucking uh, Doomsday Clock. Right. Where, where like mean, like Doomsday yeah. Clock is very of the time and stuff, but it but it's still but like it's a bit too close to what it is. But with this, this is this is still Basically, this is a series that was weirdly prescient. Yeah, that's that like holds up and g- is given this new weird light today. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, also I want Spider Jerusalem to prolapse Trump. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's also just, I also just kind of love like this book. This book was uh, I, I didn't know really going into the book what to expect 
because yeah. I, I'd only read about people's opinion of Transmetropolitan. I never actually read what it was about. I just knew it was about Spider Jerusalem journalist. But yeah, yeah he, he's like the Hunter S. Thompson like character of this story. Yeah, like he's, yeah. he's definitely based on him yeah, he, somewhat. Yeah, he's a Gonzo yeah, journalist. But, but also, yeah. uh, I, I don't. I remember I mentioned that uh, the writer of this, Warren Ellis, made this joke that um, for the last time, I'm not sobered up Alan fucking Moore. Um, <laughs> which is funny given how Spider Jerusalem looks at the start of this book. Yeah, because yeah, yes, I didn't know going into this, but then I read that, but then I read the first written word of this book, and I was just like, "Okay, yeah, I'm in." Because the first written word is up a uh, goddamned mountain. Yes, yeah, and and if you he looks very Alan Moorish at the start. Yeah, that was my point. <laughs> yeah, because I did not know that. Right, I, yeah, like, I was I did not think that was Spider Jerusalem when I began reading this because. I am aware because I am aware of what Spider Jerusalem looks like. Yeah, he's on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that's but that's the that's the greatest part about this start of the comic because this whole time the city ran him dry to the point where he's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And he, he basically had to escape like, you know what I mean? Like on top of this fucking mountain where there's like no technology and no hustle bustle of the fucking world that we know like today, because like at the time when this was written, a lot of the, like, the technological advances weren't even around at that point are actually here now in our times. You know what I mean? Like even like if you even go from like the, the glasses that he's wearing and things are popping up on the screen. And, yeah. And, and, like, and, like his little yeah. AR feed in his glasses. Like yeah, he got smart <laughs> glasses. The fact that like he the guy he just calls that editor the guy he owes the book deal to like whore hopper like and he just gets a hold of him and he's like listen you owe me for these two books like you have to come he back and he's just like dreading books. god damn it you owe us two more <laughs> and, and then we'll get my, you something worse than death debtor's prison yeah, and he's like well shit and just right from the get like my favorite scene is when he gets to the bottom of the mountain he's like ah. That bar, man, I love that. That was my only place. Like, I, I yeah, actually only came in contact within five years. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this place, Rocket Suka. Launcher. This <laughs> is eat me on the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like, I, I'm so glad you guys enjoyed this. I, this is this is honestly like like my my top five like things ever for comics. Like, I love this fucking series yeah, like, this, so much. This book is a lot of fucking fun. It is insane, off the wall fucking ridiculous shit because like this is in a this is in a future like i didn't i didn't super know what to expect going into this but like it is in this weird it's in this weird future that is a that is a surprisingly grounded and understandable future because there's weird tech stuff and like society stuff but it's kind of like how like none of that had any like greater cosmic meaning or changed humanity in any significant way. Yeah, like aliens, like aliens exist, and they now have fucking mat, and they now have essentially like fucking matter shit, like the goddamn uh, like replicators in Star Trek. And it amounted to basically we are the same, just now with replicators and aliens. Yeah, yeah but like, it, sorry, go on. No, it's like, and our technology is now sentient. But it's also drug addled. Yeah, like like, right. like Spider Jerusalem's fucking replicator is is a drug addict because this replicator is. I think it's also, this replicator also based off like a Russian mob personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Duh. 
yeah. too very bad. <laughs> yeah, and like and like with this, they have gotten to like technology has gotten to a point where there are people who are like, like there are essentially like two kind of transhumanist movements in this: uh, the transients and then the uh, and the people who get downloaded. With the transients, they are people who have who have begun the who begun a transition from human to alien. Like aliens, they are the greys or whatever, like the like the fucking standard aliens that you, that we know of. And so the greys, I'm just calling them the greys. They have sold the rights to their genetic code to humanity, and so now people can just become aliens. And they and like that that's the first like major story arc of this fucking book is yeah. Spider Jerusalem going and talking to the leader of this fucking aliens like transient secession movement to talk right. to, to talk to him and try to and like try to figure out what the fuck's going on and that write a column about it and we learn that this dude is doing this solely for sex. Yeah, he's a dirtbag, this guy Fred. Um yeah, is Fred Christ. Yeah, he knows him from way back, but that's but essentially that's that's like what he is is like he's trying to pretend like he's like the messiah or something for these fucking people. Like he's like everyone's worshiping him. Like you know what I mean? He's co-opting people. He's co-opting people's fucking desire and faith in a thing solely to benefit his dick. Yeah, absolutely. To the point where. I'm glad at the end of this, once he actually put out like this story on top of the fucking strip club during the riots that they started uh, purposely just to basically uh, get into the news and uh, about their, you know, the, what they're kind of have you um, at the end, they say that Fred got caught with an underage girl and went to jail. Like after all this shit went down. Yeah. Like, so didn't last he, long, like, apparently. Yeah, no, he got his. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he may pop back up at some point in this oh, no, series. He, oh no, he does. Um, yeah. Um, after yeah, um, Shannon, um, Spider's assistant, she leaves. Yeah. Like a- after, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about the second transhumanist movement in a second. But like after her boyfriend at the time breaks up with her to get downloaded, she leaves Spider to go join the to go be a bride of Christ, which is to marry Fred Christ. Hold on a second here. How much did you end up reading of this after uh, you read this? twelve issues? Oh, okay, okay. Because I, yeah, so I only read, read the, he read the first two volumes. Okay. Well, uh, I, I read I read the original first two volumes, but they have since been repackaged as a single volume. Yeah. Oh, no, the double that, volumes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I. So, okay. Shit. So yeah, you got more to talk about than me because I only read the because the original trade that came out is the yeah, six, six issues. issues. Um, I own the absolute of this, which if you can afford it, it this package is amazing with the Derek Robertson art. It's it's the oversized yeah. slipcase edition. Yo, I own all three volumes of this because I spent the money on this because this is, like I said, one of my I, favorite series. So I might have like, to add this to my overall wish list because I feel like Spider Jerusalem is my spirit. Like I kind <laughs> of need this person in my to just talk truth to bullshit on mm. all sides. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. He's like, no, right. you're full of shit. I'm full of shit. I know I'm full of shit. Well, if you really piss him off, you will soon be not full of shit. Yeah. But the thing and, that's and the reason he's so full of shit is he kept taking pills that wouldn't let him. <laughs> yeah. What, one of the interesting things of note, though, about him, though, in this case, like, the fact that, this is, I think, longest series he actually stuck with and wrote. Um, 
like because like 60 issues i think this series uh, yeah um which says something but he essentially at this time you could tell like how angry of a person he was and he was basically just going through his frustrations and using spider jerusalem and this comic as his mouthpiece to basically talk about all the things i think that like you know what i mean like social okay so i did so i didn't have so i didn't add that context so that actually makes the fucking church issue make more sense this is absolutely Warren Ellis. Like, this is things I'm sure he, like, I, I mean, again, this is in my opinion. I might be wrong, but as far as I know, like, like this is a very fucking angry character. Oh, yeah. Spider, Jer- Spider Jerusalem so. is pissed at basically everything. And it's it's positioning him as this weird, like, messiah among journalists. Where, mm-hmm. where like, journalists, uh... It's putting journalists up on a pedestal in a way that they kind of aren't anymore and haven't. Yeah, been. no, that's the that's the the weird dated element of like. Sure. I mean, it, although it is kind of prescient in that Spider basically talks about the idea of that mainstream journalism is not the journalism that he right wants anymore. Yeah, it it and. I guess if Spire Jerusalem existed in 2018 and 2019, he would probably be even more upset with right. the current state. Of right. Yeah, if Spire Jerusalem existed right now, like the White House press briefing would just be full of shit. But then also, he'd probably have like a he'd probably like write like a fucking like nine thousand words shitting on us. Mm. Oh yeah, I but like. But but like the thing about this is, and I won't spoil it for you if you guys continue to want to read this series. But as oh, the I'm series read does, all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah as the series does go go on um you know he 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 definitely he shows you the power of journalism that it can have but as well as you know he does get uh defeated time uh, 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 sometimes like he doesn't always win like essentially he does always come out on top because he's fucking spider jerusalem and he doesn't give a fuck and he's just like fuck you to authority and all this kind of shit but like but but there is times where even like the ways of the press and the, and kind of like the ways he goes about approaching these things and making his way through this world, it doesn't always work out in his favor. And they do, you do yeah. witness that as you go throughout the series, yeah. but like just like his, his comments, even on politics and how it's relevant today. Like you have oh, somebody's yeah. called the fucking beast. Like, it is, you know what I mean? like, he's yeah. like, like it's, oh, it's, it's like all the little details that were weirdly prescient of the way things are going are just are kind of darkly funny to me. And make and reinforce the idea that we are living in the worst timeline, according to Spiderjulism. But at the same time, I think what I love about Spiderjulism is that yeah, he does put like the idea of journalism on a pedestal, but he 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 gets knocked down pegs both yeah. by good and bad people enough times that I don't think he's made unrelatable. Like, but that's what I mean. As you you'll see that evidence throughout the series. Like there is times where he does he does relate to some of the people that he has to write these exposés on, and he kind of you know what I mean. Like yeah, you're right. No, you're I didn't right. mean that. I meant like how his his like ex stripper assistant calls him out on his bullshit even in volume one. Yeah, she yeah. Like, Shannon Shannon was great when she was introduced. Um, like just like after after the after like the whole stripper thing, and then she becomes assistant. Uh, she was this weirdly like air, like fresh air, like breath of fresh air almost after just, after just like this oppressiveness that is spider Mm -hmm. and, and seeing her, seeing her just like kind of begin to learn the ropes from spider and having spider 
basically have like a sounding board to bounce shit off of. Yeah, mm-hmm. like to both like have him teach his ways to someone to like so that they're not like a babe in the woods as a journalist, but at the same mm-hmm. time to have someone with a slightly more relatable personality call him out. I was like, dude, yes, my boyfriend is not interested in me. You don't just say now your boyfriend's a piece of shit and he doesn't care about you. You should leave him. <laughs> yeah, like like like, and, and, and it gave Spider like a bit of actual humanity there. Yeah, like on like like and and then also brings us over to the second transhumanist movement that was that has been mentioned in this in these first couple volumes. Um, yeah, they figured out how to download the con- someone's consciousness into a fucking like an in, into like your know, fucking data, and because oh, of that, yeah. and because of that, there is now a group. There's now a sect of people called Foglets. Mm-hmm. Which, is basically, which is basically yeah. just human consciousness in a cloud of nano machines, <laughs> and they and they spend a and they spend like a chunk of time. Uh, well, not not like they, they spend an issue, essentially doing this stuff, and we actually get to see like Spider show some respect to something because he. Like with all the problems he has with stuff, he does not really have a problem with any kind of like transhumanist movement stuff like that. And seeing him like talk about this and talk about the way, talk about like the respect that is to be shown for someone getting downloaded. That was interesting. It's interesting to see what spider like actually respects as the story goes on. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like to talk about that, uh, talk about that's, uh, I mean, he's, Uh, what was that? You cut out there for a sec. Oh, no. I, I thought you had cut out, so that's why I stopped talking. Oh, yeah, cool. uh, Everyone yeah. cut out. Great. Just to, some silence. Yeah, but yeah just like seeing <laughs> uh, seeing him talk seeing him talk about like uh, the like him get like super pissed off at Fred for using the transients the way that he is um, mm-hmm. seeing seeing spider the way the spider talks about uh, the like downloaded the downloaded people um, seeing seeing the way spider uh, reacts and interacts with the uh, with the different reservations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was also a another element of the story is uh, people like cryogenic people, like people who've been frozen, who were people who are frozen in the past and then get you know thought out and resurrected in the, pre- in the present, and how doing that causes people to go into shock and developmental illness, and just like kind of yeah. how it's like from culture shock of just oh I'm in the future, <laughs> well there goes my brain. And one woman uh, being being a journalist from the past got that same kind of thing. And I was like, this goes to the future. Hey, where's my husband? Oh, husband's dead. This, this shit's all going down. Get fucked. And essentially just becomes this like paranoid schizophrenic, almost just hanging up behind a dumpster. But Spider like genuinely cares about her. Yeah, deep down, he is a good person and he means well, but he just lashes out at the way society, like the, the world that he's living in. And, he, and rightly so, like he, oh, yeah. whatever he thinks, he has a good sense of what's right and what's wrong and who the people are that he should be shitting all over and talking about and pointing the fingers at in society. Like, and, and, but yeah, but, but deep down, he is a, a good person. He just, he's just very angry and he lashes out and he fucking yeah. like goes yeah. on like, like rampages. He was, he, he's not like Rick from Rick and Morty. No, like, he is. He is not nihilistic. No, he's just cynical. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's a good. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like the rest of the world that is largely that is like largely. It, he is a cynical man living in a cynical world, um, but he doesn't. He hasn't given up on it. I, yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't taken that final step that uh, Rick from Rick and Morty takes, where it's like, yeah, the world's fucked. Fuck everything. I'll just be a hedonistic bastard. Yeah, no. Instead, spiders. The world's fucked, and I'm going to scream at you until you do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing worth mentioning is is amongst all, um, you know, just the commentary on like uh, his society and politics and religion and everything else they kind of touch on in this. It's a really funny book as well. Oh like, yeah, the fact, like, that he, the fact that he's not uh, sobered up Alan Moore. That he made that joke himself. Apparently. Yeah, like, like, like th- that religion like, issue was actually one of the funnier issues, just in terms of, like background dialogue stuff. Because uh, yeah, uh, well, it also yeah. introduces a really dark character detail because it's a <laughs> blink and miss you the thing where it's like, yeah, my dad went cult and left me, so it's like fuck everything related to religion. All the made up religions. Yeah, but yeah, like the like, fact that he's like walking he, around with the Air Jesuses that he yeah. bought from the infomercial in the uh, the, the issue before. The fact that Air Jesuses are a thing. <laughs> You can walk yeah. on water. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, and oh, like in oh, this that's world, the, that, that's the thing that legitimately scared me was the idea <laughs> of like microburst television ads that play in your dreams. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's like, like oh god, no! Cover your eyes. He's like, what? What just happened? He's like, yeah. he's like well, you'll see. Like, oh shit, Shannon, get me drugs. <laughs> but well, like, like the in this war in this city. Uh, they, they just call the city. I don't think they ever actually name it. It's just the city. Yeah. Um, like a new religion is the mountain. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. A new religion <laughs> yeah. is invested in every minute. Like, like sorry, not, like three thousand religions are invested in every minute. So, so like, it's like people are like stacking religion on top of religion on top of religion, and everything is a religion to the point where like Spider goes down to like a basically a job fair, but for religion. And there's all kind of shit popping off. It's like. It's like, head on down to the Church of Cobain booth at fucking booth whatever and get yourself a free gold-plated shotgun pendant. Or it's like, come on down to the Church of Elvis. You sign up, you sign up for a free ed- ed- registration. You get a free deep-fried peanut butter and banana sandwich. <laughs> Just taking religion and breaking it down into these like super, super like niche sects that that are that are like they're like taken from literally every single religion and every one of these religions is a fucking cash grab. <laughs> the part where they're sitting at the fucking the bus stop or whatever it is and him and Shannon and and they're talking and he's talking about like her her boyfriend and her and the, and yeah. what's going on and then the priest beside them is just like looks appalled and he just starts puking all over the place and they're like oh disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> just like, like, it's like, it was like Weak stomach. It's like, oh man, that's just tight. Look at the spray. <laughs> yeah, the, the, to be out of these first six issues in the first, like I guess the original printing of the trade. Uh, that's all I had read, and this is definitely for me like the standout issue of all of these, uh, other than the first one with him coming down from the mountain. But yeah, uh, that alien transient story that that one's also good. But that this religion one as a one shot definitely gave you an idea of some of the other avenues they were going to be going to with their their. Um, you know, and and the, the social commentary they would be making in this series as a whole, and yeah, and uh, and yeah, like you said, this is this was probably just as groundbreaking at that time as it is today, and important that it exists um, and relevant for that matter. Um, it, yeah, it's just great, and Derek Roberts, Robertson's fantastic. Oh, absolutely! Um, like the art, this se- this series needs a very specific kind of artwork where it is able to 
show off this like cyberpunk near dystopian but still somehow utopian ish like it, it, it straddles this weird line of being like very exaggerated and expressive while still yeah. being grounded enough that it that everything feels like oh yeah I understand this actually you know what you know what it feels like it feels like if um, Futurama was not quite as much of a comedy yes actually 100% yeah that's a good point yeah yeah, this is grounded sci-fi, and I just I fucking love this. This this was this is this is actually fantastic. No, yeah, this is a must own. Like, if there's any books from Vertigo that I feel like are just as important now, if not more important than they were when they first started, you need to read Transmetropolitan. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, this is one of the earliest books to put Warren Ellis on the map as well as, as <laughs> it's yeah. very evident that how good, how good this series is. Yeah, and, and this book kind of straddles the line between, cause I, as far as I've, what I've read of Warren Ellis books, his books kind of can either be like dark and cynical or goofy <laughs> and weird. And this one kind of straddles that line pretty well. Like it's not as goofy and weird as like something like a uh, two step Hitman, where a literal cam girl is hate is, is, following around the uh, holistic hitman as he does crime. But it's also not quite as dark and gruesome and cynical as something like his Thunderbolts run where uh, mm-hmm. where he had ghosts like saying, oh yeah, we just killed this guy, so should I like erase the cameras? But, but this is also like focused Warren Ellis. Like, yeah. like I said, this is like one of his longest running. I think it is his longest running series that he stayed on. So like yeah. he had a, he had a vision and something he wanted, well, many things he wanted to say in this series. And it's, it, and it, that's what I think makes it very is, is what makes it so good as well. Like it, it's, it's not him just trying to be cruel just to be cruel or kind of, or are smart ass as he's, you know, as he's shown in some of his books over oh, time. No, it's, and, a, it's a, it's a similar, it's a similar kind of thing to like uh, Grant Morrison's run on animal man, where you just, it, 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 getting this thing essentially just gave you this fucking soapbox to, get everything that was in you out and you just happen to make a great comic while you're doing it. Yeah. Same kind of thing with like this, this is like it would, it would not surprise me at all. If at some point in this fucking spider Jerusalem gets, gets an interview with Warren Ellis. Just, just like how fucking buddy in the animal man thing has, has talks to fucking Grant Morrison. Well, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn had that in Ex Machina where he, 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 towards the end, he actually showed up and spoke to the mayor character in that book as, as an actual character. Of course he did. And that was, that was him doing his animal man move. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to fucking finish Ex Machina. It's actually very underrated in my opinion. Oh no, it is a a great goddamn series and it is really interesting. It's largely forgotten. Which is a shame. It's overshadowed by why is what I'm saying. Yeah, Uh, like Bruce said, it is forgotten. Like it's also a solid series that he also wrote at the same fucking time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, Yeah, fuck man. Plays, but. um, And Brian K. Vaughn. But speaking of Brian K. Vaughn. (laughs) Yes. So. We move on to Dead Man's pick. Yes, for my pick. Um, I initially went with Why the Last Man. But I decided to change it up at the last minute, uh, not long after that, because I actually have more of a personal connection with a OGN that he wrote called Pride of Baghdad. Which, that personal connection is, I believe this is actually the first Vertigo book I ever read. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. 
yeah, oh, like wow. like back when I was getting into comics, um, the thing that kind of like pushed me to get into comics for realsies was the fact that in high school, my school library had a comic section. And yeah. a lot of it True was, yeah, a lot of it was, yeah. uh, you know, kind of just not, it's like weird random collected volumes of some books that are like, it's like, hey, we got fucking volume two of Ultimate Spider-Man. You want to read that? Where's volume one? I don't know. But there were four books that kind of did really stand out that have stuck with me in some aspect going from that, going from like those initial early days to where I am now. And that was Jeff Smith's Bone, Mm -hmm. um, The Runaways. I I, I still need to read. Dude would do it. But yeah, so Bone. I'm I'm always, I'm always put off by how thick the, the, collections of bone are they're like 800 pages i'm like holy shit <laughs> yeah yeah the one i read was 1500 uh and i and i blew through that in about two weeks yeah i don't have that i, I also it. haven't read it again that's another book i it's really read. good but yeah as it was bone oh i never doubted it it, it, it was bone runaways which you know my thoughts about runaways watchmen which yes, is watchmen yes. and then pride of baghdad like this book was, this, yeah. This book was not like a fucking gangbusters kind of thing of just like, just like, hey, this is what fuck comics are. This is like, like my book thing. It was just a solid book about something that I hadn't, that, about something that I hadn't really thought about or seen comics do. Of just this weird, of just this weird, like, like, like fucking like incredible journey esque thing set in the middle of the fucking U.S. invaded Iraq. So just for context, in 2003, like in the early 2000s, the United States went to war with Iraq. And yeah. I don't know if they've stopped yet. Yeah, I, I, I was I was I, I was surprised that this was a true story, technically. Not the not the talking part, obviously. Yeah, no, it was like, Yeah. So in two thousand broad strokes this happened. Yeah, in two thousand three, the US fucking bombed Baghdad as part of their ongoing war. And in doing so, they released a pride of lions from from one of the from a local zoo. Yeah, from the from the uh, zoo of the uh, of uh, Hussein. Yeah, and so then this tells a fictionalized take on the on this on the small pride of lions uh, made up of the male of the group, uh, Ziff or Zil. 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 Yeah, Zil. Yeah. Um, an elderly female lion named Safa. Um, a younger, headstrong female lion named Noor, and her son Ali. Yeah, a- and it is all from the point, and it is all from the point of view of animals and the way that the animals deal with this shit that's happening. Yeah, which is why my favorite character is Cynical Turtle. Yeah, the Cynical Turtle's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he was my favorite character in this for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just. It is. How the fuck old are you? Hey, you'll find out later, dude. Fuck off. Stupid lions. I'm away from these tanks later. Yeah, I mean, this this story as great of a kind of make overall about the war towards the end. It wouldn't have worked if without this fantastic dialogue he wrote for these animals. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the, like these, these yeah. lions are all very it's a very humanized, like it's a very humanized take on this shit because you know it deals with rape, specifically lion yeah. rape, and also the fact that like lions have sex for pleasure, which I don't think they do. 
Um, not much, really. I don't. I th I think actually. I mean, forceful. Um, what you call it? Uh, like assault. It, like not like in the same way we think of it does happen amongst lions. Like yeah, they suggest. Yeah, of course here. it does because it usually because it happens among most animals. Yeah, it's. Ju I just don't think. Um, yeah, this doesn't happen really the same way. Like yeah, like there's the whole a pride thing is a little suspect. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So it is these yes, yeah, so these four lions there in their little enclosure. Um, Ali is like young kid, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Runs around. Uh, he is like close with Safa, who is this fucking rot. This is like this crotchety old fucking bitch, and it's just great. Um, Zill is Zill's just kind of content. He's got like he's got like the line equivalent of a dad body. Yeah, and a dad mind. Yeah, the dad mindset just like, like just like, hey, we stay here, everything's gonna be good. We get fed. I got my lazy boy and my fucking man cave. Everything's cool. Meanwhile, Noor is trying to start a animal wide like, uh, revolution. Yeah, Noor is looking for a whole new world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like that does not exist in the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She yeah. She is trying to she is trying to get to the savannah. She's trying to get to the jungle and be free where they can be kings again. But she is like she's like, Yeah, so these fucking turtles told me that the guy Yeah, so this fucking monkey told me that outside of this fucking outside of, outside of this fucking zoo is where the jungle is. So hey, you and me, giraffe, you fucking attack the keepers and then I'll fucking grab their keys and then I'll have them off with the monkeys, we'll unlock our cages, we'll get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like she's like she's wearing a fucking tinfoil hat. It's like, no, we gotta listen, man. The keepers are sending fucking brain, are sending fucking zeta waves through our fillings. Yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, like the fucking birds are losing their goddamn mind because jets are a thing. Yep. It's like the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Shut the fuck up. It's five in the morning. And then the jets fly over. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, why are they feeding us so much?" Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, they because yeah, it just the owner, the workers of the zoo basically just threw a dead donkey into their kennel. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I think it was a full donkey. That's weird that the donkey explodes. Then the bombing starts. Yeah, and it's just fucking chaos from there. Uh, there's actually a gif. Sorry, not a gif. A and a re-edit of one of the uh, one of the pages in this. Um, it's where uh, it's where the giraffe is. It's where the giraffe is like, it's like the heavens have the heavens have opened up. They'll be accepting us into their warm embrace. Then his head explodes, and then the and then Zill's like move. The, the people have re-edited that, so it's just the giraffe going, hey, yo, check this shit out. His head explodes, and then Zill goes fuck. Because <laughs> the internet's like that. Yeah, yeah, and so then they basically try to escape and they see and they see just like the like the society like whatever whatever like order they had established and like alliances they set up those just all immediately fall to shit like the monkeys fucking take Ali and then try to fucking cut him mm -hmm. and then they get out into the fucking they get out into the fucking wilds of Iraq and they're like yes we're free we're finally free what's that rumbling why are there statues what's happening yeah at which point Noor basically comes to the realization that yeah, being free sucks. Yeah, just because we got all these fucking predators to deal with. The fucking water tastes like ass. There's a bear who's a dick. Yeah, yeah. Gazil <laughs> gets into a fucking fight with a bear and rips his nose off. 
Yeah, and it's just this. It's just this weirdly. It's it's this it's this, it's this journey home for these animals, where they're trying to find a home that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That ends in a real bittersweet moment for them. We're like bittersweet. Nothing. It's just dark. I mean, Brian. Yeah, they've busted fucking heart out. Like bittersweet means like yeah, like they got technically a happy ending, but it cost them. There's no happy ending here. They see the horizon. (laughs) So crushing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is real dark. Uh, Like they. Like early on, early on when uh, Ali like Ali like asked a lot of questions about hey what was it like out in the wild and Zill has like like Noor has Noor has like a a um what is it a like r- like a rose colored glasses idea of it of the wild is like this fucking amazing not not, not rose colored glasses really just like a very pie in the sky kind naive, of idea of it naive yeah naive idea of it of just yeah it's the fuck great out there like everything's fucking awesome we're gonna be going out there like the like there ain't no chemicals out there turn frogs gay everything's fucking great out there and then and then uh then safa has a very cynical and very like very like you know yeah, fuck this gay. fuck this attitude of it because she got raped a lot yeah well because She's cynical, but she also seems to have a better idea of what like life in the wild means for animals. Yeah. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. meanwhile, Zill is in a bit of a middle ground with them because he remembers being out in the wild, but he doesn't miss it a whole lot. He just misses like he misses the good stuff, but doesn't ever talk about the shit that he probably had to deal with, which was probably not anywhere near the shit Sop had to deal with because he was like a he's a yeah, guy. Because, yeah, he was. uh <laughs> Yeah, he was a uh, pride leader, so he did not deal with uh, domination. I mean, he probably dealt with challenges to his leadership, maybe, if there were other males. Yeah, but that that was... That happens, but that's a far less common thing than what apparently happened to Safa. Yeah. Yeah, and so so his his main thing is just kind of talking about the horizon and how that was, like, the, the most beautiful fucking thing. And they get out there, and they actually see the horizon, and it is, like, okay... Who the fuck drew this? I, I gotta fucking get the na- our name of the artist right because oh, it's Nico. It, yeah, it's it, it's drawn by Nico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nico Leone. Yeah, so Nico Nico Leone. He his art was his art is fucking amazing in this. Yeah, like, like the way that he draws these animals, they are able to. It is uh okay, like within because if I had a problem with this book, it's that um. It's funny that we're talking talking about this now. Yeah, with Lion King. Because yeah, because it has basically the same problem people are having with the new Lion King movie. That look, there's only so much you can do to make the the face of animals emote the way humans do, unless you really anthropomorphize everything, which this doesn't. Yeah, but like I, I actually think that this works a lot better than the Lion King movie does. At, at least, at least for what at least for what I've seen of it. Like with this, it it finds that good middle ground between. Having them be emotive and expressive without ever losing the like the more grounded animalistic side of things. Like, like in, the, okay. in this, in this, like in this, like a fucking ant, like they you get, you get them stretch out. You get like the animal faces and stuff. You get to see them, like you get to see them like show sadness and stuff. But you never get anything like as human as the fuck me eyes Nala gives Simba in the Lion King original. They all still yeah. feel like 
this all still feels like a drawing of a real lion, but it is, but that lion is showing fear or showing sadness or showing anger while still keeping it be a lion. And I really enjoy that. And it, like, like that fucking final two page spread of the horizon across the fucking Baghdad cities, like across, like the, across the Baghdad horizon was fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helped, it helped, it helped, uh, uh, limit the feeling of bullet to the head. Yeah, and then immediately after that, he gets a, Zafa gets a bullet to Zafa, sorry, Zil gets a bullet to the head, <laughs> and then Safa gets a bullet to the head, and then Ali and Noor both on screen watching this baby lion cub get fucking turned to cheese. Yeah, like if you ever wanted to see Simba as a child get killed, get here fucking got. <laughs> Which, based on some reviews I've heard, I've seen of the original Lion King, apparently a lot of people do. Which. That's all right. Simba's kind of a shit. <laughs> For me, like that was, I know that these are lions and they're not humans, but the fact that it's still a young cub, like, Oh no, game, yeah, that's that, that you, sh- that you should feel shot. bad. That means you are, that means you no, have empathy. Cause, yeah. Cause the idea is you're supposed to react to this. Like you're watching children just get gunned down in the streets. No, I know. And yeah. that's the, I know, you know I know war. that's the point. I know that's the point of this book, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's just as affecting seeing a a young cub getting shot in this like for me like and a lot of people show more affection towards animals than they even do humans yeah so the the whole like i just saw uh dead man i think you should see this just for a laugh i just saw crawl (laughs) and there's a running there's just like a running scene like everyone just expects the dog to die and they just keep setting up scenes where the dog could die Essentially, just as an excuse to surprise people with bad shit happens to humans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. But yeah, um, but yeah. So fucking the pride gets the pride gets shot, and the pride gets shot by U.S. troops because uh, they they subscribe to the South Park method of come a rat for us. <laughs> because cause yeah they, they they walk up and was like Yo, what the fuck was that I was like I don't know man they were coming right at us which they weren't uh, Zill was standing still um, Safa took a defensive stance and then and then uh, Noor took an angry stance while Ali was confused and scared none of them moved towards the American soldiers which you know it's fucking symbolism. Did you get it? Did you get it? I think so. Did you get it? But anyway, this, I'd still really fucking enjoy this book. Uh, it, it was... It was very much... Yeah, it was very much the third place of this of this night... Yeah, I was actually going to say. I'm glad that. you said that because yeah, apparently yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all thought the same thing. It's like, oh no, <laughs> it's not bad. It's it's actually really good. It's, it's just it's fair, compared it's, to like yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it's, it, it's the other ones are like long series, right? So like, well, no, it, it's, it's not even a matter of long. It. It's not even a matter of long series. Like there are plenty of fucking OGNs out there that are just like fucking one shot stories that are better than most ongoing series for their entire run. But yeah, this but, but this was. A classic. Everyone yeah, knows yeah, this. This was a fucking classic, character-defining run of a book. A fucking 
a a gonzo out there goddamn book that you never see anything like, and it was such a fucking mm-hmm. it was such a fucking atom bomb blast of a goddamn book within the fucking media, and then a pretty good book about lions. Like I one of these things is not like the others. Compare it because of the length. No, I no, I agree. I mean, both those were um, books over this that was also quality, but um, I agree. But I just knowing swamp thing but knowing everything that transmetropolitan is there was no way i could have put this above that and that's why i include the length like i know it's a big grand scale story that they're telling in that and yeah i don't i don't think i don't think the i don't think the length is like really a factor in this it's just a matter of just a matter of what the books were because like with because like with fucking transmetropolitan that was like Transmetropolitan is someone's fucking that is basically Warren Ellis's magnum opus. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then Swamp Thing is like I said, a character defining run on a book. Yeah. So so pairing so pairing those so pairing like the these three books written by Not three fair. of the fucking best writers in the fucking industry. Yeah. The one that's about lions is going to fall down because it's just like like I said, it's the it's the fucking it's homeward bound or whatever, but with lions, as opposed to those other books. Yeah, it's still good, but yeah, I absolutely, I agree. Like we, we all, it sounds like we all did on that one. Absolutely, that is, yeah, is it was definitely if we had to compare, it's the yeah, the, like like yeah. If if I had have, if we had have gone with why the last man, we'd be having maybe a different conversation. Mm. I do, I do, I did say maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, Birdie's the one that got upset at me because I put out a list of uh, some of my favorite Vertigo series. Yeah, no, it's like, and I didn't like, include I, any of Brian. If there's any, if there's a list of authors I associate with Vertigo, Brian K. Vaughn's pretty close to the top. Yeah. So, because like I know, I guess he's done stuff with other people. It's just all of the books I love him for most are Vertigo books. <laughs> So it's kind of hard for me not to. I guess then if you just if all of the books he's done don't just rank high for you, then I guess that's fine. It's just I was surprised that absolutely none of Brian K. Vaughn's defining books made it onto the list is all. Well, well, that's why I was trying to make the point. Like, it's just a testament to how many good books Vertigo put out. That's why I said if I had to put 15, I would have put like Ex Machina. I would have put Why the Last Man there. Like and even looking back at the list now, I probably would knock American Vampire out of top ten and put in Why the Last Man is number ten in that list, just because yeah. that series isn't even done yet. Yeah. I was just trying to think of some more modern stuff that, I that, think, that I've really enjoyed. Right, so um, I think American Pipe, American Vampire, was how Scott Snyder got started in the industry. And, and, it, and it stands as my favorite thing that he's done still. So that's why I was yeah. kind of taking that into consideration, um, but. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 what I'm trying to say. Like, I could have easily given a top 20, 25 of Vertigo titles that I've really enjoyed over the years. Like, there is so much. Like, looking at my shelf, like, the DC and Vertigo shelves are basically about the same size. Like, in terms of just proper DC and Vertigo in my on my bookshelf here. Because there's so many Vertigo titles I love. Like, um, it's it's... I mean, I'm sad to see it go, but it doesn't change any of this great quality material that they've put out already or anything. Yeah, yeah, Ver- yeah. Vertigo is right? yeah. Vertigo. 
Vertigo came and left its fucking marketing industry. Even if you don't notice it, it's there. The industry would not be what it is without Vertigo. Like, just with with the books they put out, the characters that they brought about, the way that they fucking... The way that they made books was very much of a thing. It was very much a... Was very much a de- was very much a fucking thing that changed changed the industry a bit. And well, not o- well, not only that, then, man. This kind of going off what you just said there. Uh, something that comes to mind is that I heard them have this conversation in the past, a uh, couple of years, even talking about the current state of Vertigo. Um, is the fact that uh, they were willing to take chances and give new writers rope at that time as well to actually tell their stories, whereas yeah, now. Definitely. You would not get a sixty issue run of something like a fucking genius transmetropolitan if oh, the sales no. were not good. Yeah, you know God what I mean. No. Like, yeah, that's like, what's like, like now? Like nowadays, you only get a fucking book like Transmetropolitan if you are an established writer. But like, now it's like, just no like one we can, don't want to offend anybody. Like we yeah. can't put this book out. Like you know what I mean? Like it's like whoa. There was a recent book called Second Coming. Who? Um, what's his name? Had brought to Vertigo before they collapsed the whole imprint. Um, what the fuck is the name? The Flintstones guy that we love. Um, uh, I'm looking up the name now. Second coming right now. It's being produced by some Ahoy comic, some new imp- some new company. Uh, Inverse. Uh, Inverse. Yeah, yeah. So Mark Russell. Mark Russell. Thank you. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Apologies. Uh, never mind. Uh, Inverse was the just the. Okay, so yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Mark Russell brought this book to them, and they ended up announcing it last year through vertigo that they were going to launch this book. And then when it came time to bring it out, they canceled it and said that they were looking for a new publisher because the, the vertigo turned it down because there was like a lot of religious themes in it. Like how would a fucking book like preacher exist today? Oh, it wouldn't. you know what I mean? Like it, that's it's yeah. Cause that, it, you know how many people were offended by the material, that, but they, they still produced it. Like, I'm sure there's people that were offended by what happened. Like this take on religion and that and everything like, yeah, it's it's just it's just it's ludicrous to me. Like you wouldn't have gotten such great books or and and art. Like you know what I mean. Like that's like I don't know. It's 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 just crazy to me that that's that that's the kind of state that we're in now, where they can't even stand behind like, creators. Yeah, it's just work. so. Like, that's where you get the best art. Can't like it. It can't do the image thing. Because image, like, while well, as much of a shit show as early image was, image has basically just become like the most niche of niche things, where basically every interest can be catered to in some variety to some extent for a while. But I still feel like, like I, I, I still like mainline DC is just now getting out of the we need more Batman thing, so I don't want the dark, weird books that DC used to put out to just become, yeah, we need more Batman. Yeah. I just don't know what they're doing because, like, in the news of them... Oh, yeah, so, yeah, it was picked up by Ahoy Comics. First issue just came out, I think, a week or two ago, but... Uh, Yeah, yeah, actually, last week, issue one came out July 10th. I I haven't checked it out. I'm gonna probably grab the trade, but it sounds great. Like, I love Mark Russell, but... But I'm just saying it's just sad that that was a book that they had announced over there and they actually said was not going to be published by them after the fact prior to them their announcement 
uh, a vertical ending. Like it had nothing to do with that. This was like a year ago or something when they first announced it. But yeah, but but like yeah, it's just it's just it's fucked up because they end Vertigo and then literally like the week after they announced Vertigo ending, they're like, we're bringing out a Joe Hill line of books, and I was like, that's great that you're putting out a horror line of books with Joe Hill. You know, but it just feels like, you know, this is another big name rollout like they did with the Gerard Way line or these other fucking lines or the Black Label fucking line. Like, why are you finding all these other lines for things, well, but you let Vertigo die out? Like, it just seems kind of crazy. <laughs> a, if, if I may, uh, yeah, go ahead. Damon, I don't know if you ever watch Jim Sterling. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, uh, every once in a while. But he has this phrase with that he applies to video games that I think applies to Warner Brothers and DC currently. They don't just want some money. They need to have all of the money. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to like diversify as much as possible to hit everything. So they just keep throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks to hit yeah. demographics, to, to, to jump on what's popular. That's why apparently Harley Quinn has to be the front line of everything in DC now, as weird as that is. Yep. Which we'll get to, <laughs> uh, but Hey, uh, so just, I guess for new, I guess for some good news about this. Um, so second coming, uh, first issue, uh, sold out and is getting a second printing on August 14th. Oh, good for them. I'm glad they found an audience for it because I know a lot of people are Mark Russell supporters, yeah. right? He's, he does great work. I so. have never heard of Ahoy Comics until now. And I, they, I'm going to have to check them out. Yeah. Devin, there's one other book they actually put out that I picked up the trade because it was highly recommended by a customer to me. And it's, it was great. It's called The Wrong Earth. That's one other book you may want to look into that they put out so far. Like they've been putting out a few different ones, I guess, over this past year, but that's one that's also been getting a lot of praise. Yeah, that's from look, looking at the stuff, looking at publisher. the stuff they've released: um, Bronze Age Boogie, Planet of the Nerds, <laughs> hashtag Danger. Yeah, I can't speak on those ones, but the Wrong Earth was pretty good. Steel, I, I like I Steel that. Cage, a book from fucking Mark Wade. Yeah, a one shot special. Yeah, fucking, this looks neat. Yeah, the second coming book looks really awesome. Jesus is one of the main characters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah Jesus meets a superhero and then realizes what the fuck happened, so he gets taught how to be a superhero. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm the, looking the, forward to the that cover one. by the cover of issue one by motherfucking Amanda Connor. Yeah, has has the main as like the main superhero guy, son like like Sun Man or something, beating the shit out of a criminal. Look over to the side. There's Jesus force feeding a man a loaf of bread. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that was the book that was turned down by anyways. And there's a fucking there's a fucking change.org or like a petition website thing where where like a bunch of people was like, like DC Place to release a blasphemous comic. Sign this petition. There's a big fucking button that just says victory. Because the book got because the book did technically get canceled. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. The same people who wrote Netflix to get rid of Good Omens, which was <laughs> which was running on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's like, hey, Netflix, cancel this single season series that doesn't that isn't running your network. Like nothing should be sacred when it comes to art. Like I don't Absolutely. understand. Like, yeah, like that's it's just it's that's what I mean. You wouldn't have got some like Transmet would have not existed if saw that book like you know what i mean like it's, most things wouldn't have existed without this fucking thing yeah no anyway <laughs> so that does it for 
talking about Vertigo stuff. We have some news this time around. So first up, uh, this is a big old thing that I am super down for. I'd be even more down for if Dan Mora was doing the artwork, but fuck me, I guess. <laughs> so Boom Studios has announced that this December they'll be they'll be releasing a five issue miniseries, Power Rangers and TMNT. Which hell yeah, Power Rangers Ninja Turtles. Which I am super down for. Yeah, Batman will introduce them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so the series is uh, written by Ryan Parrott, who is, I believe, the current writer of the... He mini- writes Go-Go. And actually, I think he's moving, also moving to the main series. Too. Yeah. yeah, so he's doing the, he's doing the main stuff. Uh, and then um, with art by uh, Simon De- Simone DeMeo. DeMeo? Who wrote... Um, and this just occurred to me, Deadman. You and I never finished talking about Beyond the Grid or Battle for the Grid. Uh, we did not. Uh, I kind of actually fell off around then. Yeah, I, I finished Battle for the Grid. I've not finished Beyond the Grid because it's weird. <laughs> Let me ask you guys something. If I didn't read any of the other previous Power Rangers stuff, can I read Shattered Grid on its own? Um, no? no, you kind of have to read yeah, you, you need, you need the Yeah, you need the build up. Okay. Granted, everything up to Shattered Grid has been collected in two $40 volumes, so it's okay. not. Okay. Yeah. Well, they just solicited the hardcover of Shattered Grid in the uh, previews this month, uh, like for October release. Yeah, and that's yeah why like, I was- like Shat- Shattered Grid and its like antagonist and his motivation and stuff that is all built up over the course of the issues. Like, like kind of from issue one to Shattered Grid is one story. Okay. But anyway, so. This book, like I said, five-issue series, uh, will start with the Power Rangers arriving in New York City to find that Tommy Oliver, the Green Rangers, has joined the classic Turtles villain Shredder. Yeah, so that's happening. It's fucking dumb and stupid and awesome. I love it. Fucking Ninja Turtles, Batman was great. Power Rangers Justice League was great. Just doing more big, dumb crossovers about shit from my childhood. And this is technically a second take at doing this team up because they technically did a team up like this before when power rangers yeah. in, when power rangers in space met the yeah, turtles just don't 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 remind me and funnily enough the this, only episode of power rangers in space i never rewatch yeah and actually funnily enough this fucking announcement this 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 was coming out this this came out right after i saw the like i i saw this right after i saw the news that the idw book was introducing a new female turtle yeah. Oh, Which, yeah. Yeah. Like, if they make a joke about the Venus de Milo in this book, I will jump for joy. <laughs> Which, Which has got speculators foaming at the mouth that fucking first appearance. Oh, I'm gonna well, get no. I mean, from what I, I, from what I saw of it, no, it's not going to be. Yeah, it's because Venus de Milo is not only is she a bad character, but she's from literally the worst version of the turtles ever made. So. Yeah. Like what this is, this is what, like what this new female turtle is. It is taking a character who has been introduced and established and built a relationship with the, with the characters in TMNT and then making her a turtle. Because yeah, I'm pretty sure by that the way of she Hulk method from the looks of things. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, a member of the foot clan that is being run by master splinter right now. Um, she gets horribly injured, so Donatello gives her a blood transfusion, and then that turns her into a turtle. 
There you go. <laughs> so I have to go to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to get a good version of She-Hulk now, huh? Apparently. <laughs> but anyway, Ew. so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one will be going on sale December 4th. So be sure to check that shit out. I kind of can't wait. Moving right along. Uh, Ghost Rider's getting a new fucking series. Which one? Danny Ketch. Okay. <laughs> I feel bad I have to ask that, but... <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of do. There are like 12 of them right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the new book is going to be coming out um, in October of this year. It's called Beware the Ghost Rider. Uh, it'll be written by Ed Brisson with art from Aaron Cooter. Mm, I like the team. I'll check it out. Yeah, I am not super familiar with the Danny Ketch of Ghost Rider. Yeah, because he's like this weird... He existed right when I was getting into comics, but I didn't give a shit about Ghost Rider when I was first getting into comics. Yeah. Like, the closest I knew about Danny Ketch is that he tried to use the penance stare on the Hulk during World War Hulk, and it didn't work. The only thing I know about Danny Ketch is that his motorcycle looks stupid. Well, yeah, because... um, it had this weird like skull wanted, faceplate yeah, on it because they because they wanted to differentiate it from Johnny Blaze's more traditional Ghost Rider vehicle. Yeah, so instead of being a flaming making, hog, it was like a flaming like modern day motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. The last time I thought we saw Danny Ketch wasn't it during that fucking like Ghost Racers thing that they did with? I, um, I don't know if Danny Ketch was actually in that. Was it just, was it Johnny Blaze then? Because one of them showed up. Uh, in that. It, it, I remember it was that. probably Johnny Blaze. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was Johnny Blaze, um, the the girl one, who right? Was and then, Danny Ketch's sister, who apparently is a better remembered character than him. Yeah, uh, the caretaker who had then who had fused with his horse. And yeah, then well, I mean, Robbie I, re- Reyes. I remember that from when Sam Elliott played him in that terrible <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie. Oh God. <laughs> The Ghost Rider rode off with the contracts. And into a shitty movie. Well, hold on. Actually, I'm, hold on. I'm actually speaking too clearly. I gotta cover myself. Well, I'm a Ghost Rider. You must have done that movie at some point, right, Dead Man? I don't know. Because Lord, I feel like if we were gonna do a Ghost Rider, we'd do Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance one. because it because it's actually shit to talk about. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, like, like with the, like the original Ghost Rider, they're essentially I can essentially think of three scenes where we'd have things to talk about. The rest we just saw us sitting there in silence. Yeah, because it's from the same guy who brought us uh, the original Daredevil movie. <laughs> like Daredevil, like. Daredevil is more incompetent, so there's more stuff to talk about. Ghost Rider, like the 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 Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider, that first one is bad, but it's the bad kind of bad, where it's just it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it is like there there it is not so incompetent that there's like shit to make fun of at all times, but it's not good. Yeah, it has it's, no style of any kind. Like, it's sort of like... It's the Nickelback of movies. Yeah. Like, if you were if you were to compare it to, like, X-Men movies, it's not down on the levels of, like, X-Men Origins Wolverine or even, like, X3. It's kind of more on level, like... I don't know if you ever saw X-Men Apocalypse, but... Why it's would I? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. Because it was just nothing. 
Yeah, like, just just, <laughs> just Ivan and, Ooze, just Ivan Ooze makes storm eyes at people and then bad things happen. Yeah. Anywho, moving right along. So, uh, Ed Brubaker has signed a multi-year deal with Legendary TV Studios. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means specifically. Are they just going to adapt anything he makes from now on, or are they going to be trying to adapt his previous works? Uh, he will be adapt. He will be adapting uh, some of his. He'll be ad- he'll be adapting some of his creator own stuff, um, as well as developing new content for Legendary. Yeah. Okay. So any of his cre- so any of his creator own stuff that he that he's worked on, um, that could be up for adaptation under this under this deal, as well as. He'll also be making just straight up new shit for them. Yeah. Well, there's one creator-owned Ed Brubaker thing I hope they don't make, despite how much sense it would make, since it's a popular genre right now. I hope they don't do Fatal. Because, Nico, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like Fatal as a book just got too weird. Yeah, it's not one of my favorites of his. It's definitely lower on the list of stuff that he's yeah, done. Like do 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 any criminal book, do fade out, do it out's perfect relief. Really, yeah, uh, they the, the art the article talking about uh, this deal while not having any like straight up things like hey, they're going to be working on these series. They mentioned a lot of his, a lot of stuff they did with Sean Phillips because of course. Cuz cuz like I said cuz like I said when after I interviewed him to Nico, he's Brew Baker himself said, I'm going to work with Sean Phillips until one or both of us are dead. Yes. So. <laughs> oh, shit. This is. Huh. Care to share with the class, dead man? Uh, yeah. So I was looking on. So I was looking at stuff and then um, like, like looking at the article and then there was a big breaking news banner. It's off a deadline uh, and it was about Titans. Specifically, before any things happen, um, specifically, a so Warren Appleby, uh, the show special effects coordinator, uh, who also worked with Guillermo del Toro on Shape of Water, uh, was killed on the set of Titans. What? Uh, wow, that's dark. Yeah. Um. Like who? Who were they? Uh, Warren Appleby. He was the show special effects coordinator. Oh. He was also the special effects coordinator for The Shape of Water. That, that's a weird, unfortunate pairing because I remember the fe- special effects from both of those things, and one of them is definitely not like the other. Yeah, so um, according to this article, he was uh, killed Thursday, quote, after an accident which occurred at a special effects facility during the preparation and testing for an upcoming shoot, according to, uh, the, huh. according to a statement from the show's executive producers, um, Warner Brothers Television Group, and the DC Universe streaming app. Okay, so he died in an accident. Okay, that's yeah. It was it was an accidental that, that thing. That sucks, but that's a little bit more because what you were saying is like I thought you were the way you said like he was killed. It's like this is for Titans. No, no, he no. no. Okay, apologies. Apologies. That what I that's what I, that's the vibe I didn't mean to. He was killed as part of an accident uh, preparing for a special effect. Okay, yeah. I mean that's sad, but that's believable because. Uh, one of you, I don't know about you, Dead Man, but one of my favorite movies, The Crow. Yeah, the main I, character. I'm died aware on that beca- I am because fully of aware. Special effects accident. <laughs> I am fully aware of what happened to Brandon Lee. But yeah, so uh, Appleby on top of working on The Shape of Water and Titans, uh, he was also uh, the special effects supervisor for the It reboot and special effects coordinator for the upcoming Chapter Two. Uh, and he 
and this Which is part. Will suck. Yeah, and this was all part of a twenty-five plus year career in special effects. Yeah, you know, uh, it just sounds like a very unfortunate tragedy. Yeah, uh, in the statement released by Warner Brothers. Uh, quote, we are heartbroken and devastated by the passing of our treasure colleague, special effects coordinator Warren Appleby, after an accident which occurred at a special effects facility during the preparation and testing for an upcoming shoot. Warren is beloved by all who worked with him during an impressive 25-year career in the television and motion pictures. The executive producers, along with everyone in the Titans family, Warner Brothers Television Group, and DC Universe, wish to express our deepest condolences and heartfelt love and support to Warren's family and friends at this most difficult time. Out of respect for his name, we will... Uh put an end to t- production for Titan season two and until further notice, because it will help uh, ease the memory of his loss. It's probably too dark a joke. Well, I mean, production has been shut down. Yeah, no, I know, but like, they're probably still going to release it. Uh, fucking, of course they are. And fucking first episode is going to be in memory of Warren Appleby. So, when, so when we sit down to shit on it, it's going to be like, rest in peace, dude. This show is terrible. Well, from one tragedy to the next, uh, fucking birds of prey. Uh, so, Nico, I got the impression during the discussion <laughs> you know what I wanted to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I figured this would bother this you. shit is stupid. So, this October, DC will be releasing a brand new Birds of Prey book. Uh, written by Brian Azzarello. The book will be a new take. On the characters. Uh, um, sorry, sorry, new take on the team. Uh, as the Birds of Prey book will now be following the lineup of Black Canary, Huntress, and Harley Quinn. Because why? Because there's a movie coming out. Which I did not know until I looked it up after hearing about the story that Batgirl was not even in it. Nope, yeah, yeah no, and I, why, why and would I she saw. Be? I don't know if you have it in your article there, dead man, but I saw that Brian Azzarello is quoted as like, yeah, that's the point because the fact that the movie's coming out, that this is the team. So like, it really just doesn't seem like he's, he's just kind of, he cares. He's just kind of going through the motion. He's yeah. Just, and yeah. even if he, particularly if he's not going to care, uh, Let's, dead man. And I were talking about this before. I like Brian Azzarello, but he's got issues with women yep. in his books. Especially in the more recent Batman stuff, yeah, and the and Batman, to be Luthor, to be fair Batman. for me at least, I think his best work is behind him. I I think I am also a Probably, fan of his, but I never I never like to judge that by a because sometimes they go through bad periods. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But G- the James last Robinson thing I read by him was Wonder Woman New Fifty Two. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Legitimately, the last not 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 that he's done much, but. That was probably my last favorite thing of his that I've read. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so the, the more ser- I, I don't, the, sorry, just as, I'll let you finish the story. Then yeah, finish. Sorry. Yeah. So um, Azarello is writing the series uh, while the artwork is being handled by um, Emmanuel Lupacino. He's so good. I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, and Azarello said in a statement. Having Harley involved screws with the B, with the new BOP dynamic. Hell with every dynamic. She's chaos, but she might be the most together member of the team. Canary, Huntress, and Montoya, because Randy Montoya is also involved in this, have a lot of yeah. damaged baggage. Emma and I are going to unpack it. I do not know if Brian has a relative running over in the South. I just felt like putting a comedy accent on because fuck that. 
Well, because if you don't, then it, what he's saying just sounds like corporate mouth speak. <laughs> yep, that is some real that's some real Michael Cole fucking talk right there. Like I'm Brian Azzarello, and this is my favorite book in DC Comics. Yes. Hello, I'm Brian Azzarello. Dan DiDio told me to tell you to look forward to this book. More Dan McMahon. <laughs> Harley's going to be so big. <laughs> We're going to put her on the birds of prey. No one gives a shit about my Barbara Gordon. It'll be the perfect multimedia marketing because we'll have just finished her cartoon series where she's the star. We're going to put Barbara Gordon back in a wheelchair. Oh, this is the reappearance of Dan McMahon right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then we'll make a Batgirl movie starring at starring three decent actresses, but a writer who's only done one good movie and a director I've literally never heard of. Why would you care about Batgirl? She's so little. She means nothing. To, why, well, I've read Birds of Prey. She's not in it. Yeah, heart. Yeah, Huntress and Black Canary are so vascular. <laughs> anyway, issue one of the, like issue really one of this time. brand new series will be releasing on October thirtieth, and then next year, be sure to check out Birds of Prey: The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, I fucking hate that title. <laughs> That's don't that don't worry, Birdie. It's only because it's a bad title. <laughs> fucking. Fuck, fucking fuck 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 I feel so bad for Chuck Dixon because he's listed as one of the credited of writers because he created the book which mm. is the only reason I, I think they just like he's like hey can we have your blessing he's like eh, fine <laughs> can we have your blessing no 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 what it is is can we have your blessing no well too bad yeah whereas um Oh, I, I, I've made a mistake. Um, uh, apparently, the writer of this movie, uh, after the, her only good movie is Bumblebee, which is weird, but uh, she previously wrote the Catherine Heigl sexual thriller, Unforgettable. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And the movie with an evil child called Shut In. Yep, there's a kid living in your walls. And apparently... <laughs> She's she's scheduled to write the Flash movie that they're apparently still doing. Yes, as well as the Batgirl movie, which feels ironic. Yeah, maybe if that's the reason they pulled her out of Birds of Prey because they just wanted to not confuse the marketing. That's even dumber because at that point they just do Batgirl first. The only thing I can see this like actually like well not sorry not the only way. A way I could see this going, and it's a way that I hate, is that Harley Quinn in the fucking Birds of Prey movie, if they ever do a sequel to it, because why wouldn't they, ends up being a mentor to Barbara Gordon. Oh, Christ, I hope not. (laughs) No, see, here's what you gotta do. You gotta get the baseball bat and you gotta swing. I don't use a baseball bat. It's fine. Just listen to what the voices tell you. What voices? What? It's a killer? Yeah, I'm just fucking with you. I'm Harley Quinn. I'm popular. Buy Daddy Little's Monster T-shirt available now at Hot Topic. Ewan McGregor's playing Black Mask? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had that exact same fucking thought. (laughs) I was like, uh, okay. Well, also, just 
final thing to mention about uh, the writer, Christina Hodson. She also got a special thanks uh, for Death Note. I do not know why. She's not listed as having worked on that movie at all. Uh, <laughs> also, that movie was bad. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're talking the Netflix one? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Which yes. I think they're still making a sequel to. Uh, fucking... Fucking what? Wa- wa- mm. <laughs> I still... I do not understand how Trey likes it. Yeah, I, I, I just... I just remember, like, the trinity of us at the end where I was like, fuck this movie. He's like, no, it's really good. You're like, no, kind of fuck this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, you were the dissenting voice in that you didn't hate it as much as I did. Yeah, I didn't hate it as much as you did. It was still very bad. <laughs> like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, I'm not even, I'm not even, like, that fucking, like, diehard a fan of Death Note. Like fucking Bakemon is a to me is a way better book from the same authors. But like holy shit. Yeah. Nico, do you have any thoughts on this? Because it's just been me and Dead Man ranting. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. I don't. <laughs> Shay Wiggum deserves that. better. Nico, thoughts. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> it was the right answer. But like do you understand why I'm like a little pissed about this? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, you know, I, I just doesn't bother me as much, but I get where you're coming from with it. Yeah. Just fucking Christ. Uh, well, get ready for cancer. Uh, I, I, yeah. And I will, I will look forward to the inevitable Nico and his girlfriend podcast where they review the comic when it comes out in October. <laughs> he definitely will. I'll have to do that run for sure. <laughs> and I hope you guys. And I hope you guys that's, look forward to me eventually forcing you to watch the movie. <laughs> that's oh, weekly that, that wine comic time. Thank Bertie, you. <laughs> yeah, Bertie, you may Bertie, you may be you may still be the gone you may still be in the gone phase of whatever at that point. But guess what? I have Caveman's number. And if I don't, and if I and you know, if, you, if you don't watch it, I'll make him watch it, and he won't watch it. <laughs> yeah i just i kind of suggested to him the hy- a hypothetical that was the premise of this movie he said that sounds really dumb who would do that warner brothers <laughs> they're fucking idiots look at the dc universe app yeah i mean and this was something i suggested to dead man nico that this is just suicide squad for girls <laughs> yeah I look forward to all the fucking Look forward to all the Katy Perry songs in this one. Oh, Christ. And now, now I'm going to see Margot Robbie singing along to I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. Yeah, probably. I, I was going to make a joke about Chain to the Rhythm, but I feel like that's a bit too heady of a song for this movie. No, that that that, that song has too much of a point. Yeah. Which I never thought I would say about a Katy Perry song. Yeah, it's it's a really good song. Yeah. Like, I, really, I really enjoy it, and it also is just... It's way more cynical than I expect a pop song to be. Yep. Which is great. I, that's cool. Things are progressing. <laughs> Check out Dua Lipa, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> She's good looking. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, that's good for this week in the Pop Music Podcast. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back. 
At some point, more of this shit. Yep. Until then, I'm dead. And this is Birdie, possibly signing off. (laughs) (laughs) This is Nico, also signing off. I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys next time.